Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam, raised by Earl. Molded by the magnificent roller coaster ride that is Houston Sports. Chill H Down for the only homegrown afternoon team is talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A team. You look at it. Look at it. Oh, yeah, this is radio. You listen to it on Sports Talk 790. Astros broadcaster Jeff Blum on 790. It's brought to you by Low T Center. Hey, is this thing on? Am I hot? So, uh, <laughs> what do you want to talk about? <laughs> Nothing really happened over the road trip. I don't know what's going on. It's good to be here, man. Wex is here, too. Hey, Wex. Wexy. Hey, buddy. Head on backwards. You mean business today, dude. Man, we are going to have a great time today. Yeah, we, we are going to just... <laughs> That's fired up, Wex, right there. We're just right going to bock the hell out of this thing. <laughs> right. Why you, not? You want to just jump in right there, or do you yeah. want to, like... Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the outfit. I mean, I know the breeze has kicked up a little bit. It's a gorgeous day in Houston, but who, who's who's the Texan and who's the thinker? Come on, dude. Well, jeans? Duh. Yeah, jeans and boots. And I we got, got these boots and tennies on, in on, case man. I got to kick a man's ass. Oh, there we go. So, you yeah. back. Um, yeah, that was um, a mixed bag over the weekend for a lot of reasons. That, that was incredible. Yeah, that was yeah. It was a mixed bag. It's a very tame way of putting it. Yeah, mm. our that- mixed bag today will have us outside <laughs> Minute Maid Park. It's going to keep us on. We're at yeah. Lucky's Pop Up Watch Party. We're going to be here the rest of the afternoon and on into the evening. Matt Thomas and Ross Villarreal got to start it out here. People are filing in. The tent to our left is selling things to keep you cool. And we'll be enjoying those a little bit later, or maybe in about five minutes. This is a good setup. It's a great setup. We've been actually watching Jeff and Todd and Julia from the road trip. You know, the typical replay of the last game of the road trip, just in case. Here's what the road trip was. That represents what happened in the booth. I'll tell you what. That <laughs> I don't is know. Tr- well, see. Now I'm getting a police escort. Yeah, we, we got to protect protect him at all costs. We've, we've heard of that. Absolutely. Must protect oh, this boy. man at all costs. All I know is the Astros left for this road trip uh, two months ago. Right. Literally. Yeah. Two right. Months ago, two yeah. months ago. And they came back with five wins in nine games. Stop bitching about it. People. <laughs> Come on now. He's the voice of reason. They, you know, their offense. Oh my God, they're awful, James. You got to get rid of these guys. They stink. Let me Relax, ask you this. Let me people. ask you this on that. There's about 15 other teams in the same boat. Yeah. I'm going to ask you both this. Is it fair to say that Justin Verlander offset all of that because he was that good? Yes, and the pitching did too. Yeah, yeah. And some of those close games that they right. did win, the pitching did unbelievable. That first time through the rotation was unreal. But that last outing by Justin Verlander might be the one that we say that's where he turned the corner. Because it was absolutely unbelievable. He went to that slider and he was wipeout. Like eight innings of excellence, eight innings of dominance, a couple of singles is all he gave up. He's punching people out left and right. He's locating everything he wanted. And the best moment of his afternoon was after his last pitch. When he was coming off the mound, he was basically smiling and laughing and saying, really, I'm here already? This is me already in two games? This is who I could be? And I know you said something yesterday. If that's a nine-inning, 125-pitch performance of dominance, we've seen that for 15 years. That would mean he's all the way back. So we'll temper it and say 
he's freaking awesome. But he, maybe he, he still has a ways to go to get back. But that's the only thing. I mean, if you're talking about building blocks and baby steps, he just took one giant leap for uh, Justin Berlander and the confidence. And a lot of it is confidence, getting over the hurdle of knowing that you had that major surgery at the age of – do we even talk about his age anymore? Because he is I, I not really pitching like why. he's 39. No. And every time you say that Yuli's 37, 38, he doesn't look like he's 37, 38. So these guys are able to go out there and do that. But it was a lot of fun to watch Justin Verlander get hyped about an outing after pitching in the big leagues. Like you said, for 15 years, the fact that he's excited and the fact that he came out of there and said, you know what, that, that felt like old Justin. That could be a really scary thing for a lot of teams in the West and a lot of teams around the league. Obviously, it's something the Astros needed in a series against the division team. The one win they got against Seattle. They got three wins against uh, Anaheim to open up the season. They have a winning record inside the division. They have a winning record as they take the field today. And the other thing they have as they take the field today is Jordan Alvarez. Woo, thank goodness. Can we get that guy back? What, opening day was the only time this season in nine games that we had a chance to see every starter that we want to see in the lineup, and hopefully today is that second time. It feels like we forgot about him being out of the lineup when you're talking about all these offensive woes. Him and Yuli, not, I mean, yeah, not even half those games. Three, four games, yeah. So it's, I get it, I understand it. It is early, which means the sample size is small, which means the numbers look. Yeah, but what's he saying is actually, I mean, it's it's really true. Because I just, you cannot have this lineup with all of these guys and all of them be like that for the entire season. And I think it's going to be actually quite the opposite. No, I think we're heading into a time where you're starting to see some of these games played a little more frequently, which I actually think benefits the Astros. You're getting rid of these days off. Everybody's going to start to get in a routine. And I think it's about this last week of April where we're going to start to see a lot of these everyday players mm-hmm. really feel their legs underneath them, get past some of the aches and pains, and get into that grind of the everyday season. And then Dusty can start throwing these guys in there on every single day. But I can only imagine being on the opposing side in Arizona and in, uh, where the heck were we, Seattle, is the idea of going into a pitcher's scouting meeting and fi- trying to figure out how you're going to adapt to a lineup and how you're going to compete against a lineup and you get about, a, what, a quarter of the way down there, and you go, wait, there's no Jordan Alvarez in this thing? Oh, sweet. Well, and on the flip side of that, temper your enthusiasm, but be cautiously optimistic that Jeremy Pena oh, yeah. is doing what he's doing on both in both facets, too. It's not just his oh, offense. Good. It's his defense. No, we showed, we showed some stats, and that was probably my biggest concern with Carlos Correa because I think this, this lineup for the Astros without Carlos is deep enough to cover what he was able to produce if you get a healthy Jordan, if you get a healthy Alex Bregman, if you get Yuli doing what Yuli does, and obviously Altuve is going to turn this thing around. But when those guys start to produce, you can mask what was going on with Carlos offensively. I was concerned about defensively because in order to go out there and, play, and, and win ball games, you've got to have stellar pitching. But the pitching is made that much better when you play good defense behind you. And Jeremy Payne has shown that he, early on, granted small sample size like we've been talking about, has shown the ability to adapt and make some phenomenal plays and also make the routine, which is more important. Making that routine play is everything for a starting pitcher. Eight games into his defensive career, you have choices on which was the most impressive play he made <laughs> yeah. over the course of those eight games. And it probably came on that uh, sprint to the ball into the outfield, the diving catch. And, again, same thing for me on what my favorite part was. He goes all the way out to the outfield. Brantley correctly assesses the situation and <laughs> takes a step back, lets his shortstop go get it, makes the sliding catch. That's not the best part. The best part is his reaction. 
He's Mr. Low Key. He reminds me of somebody on this show. He hardly shows any emotions. Like everything you just compare is. Compare yourself to Jeremy. It's Payne. how it's. Look, man, yeah. I belong here. I'm awesome at what I do. I know who All I I'm am. Is saying he's awesome. All I want to know is who I am on the show. And am then, I the Jose Siri? And then he just he <laughs> really he, he let oh. a little bit out. He got excited. He was fired up. That's the kind of stuff. It is the same thing on this show. Tell me you're not in a better mood when I'm fired up. Yes, we're out here, and I'm, I'm going like, but yes, he knows it. We are out here. We are having a good time. <laughs> I was on the mic earlier when Ross and Matt decided to, you know, goof off during the whole break. They were talking to me. I had to yell them back yeah, on the show. Fault. I mean, I'm fired up, and that, you know, there's so many good things to to think about about this team, even just in the first nine games. How about they only have 72 more road games left? They got a full slate of 81 right here at Minute Maid Park, and it gets started today. Mike Trout hit on the hand yesterday, not in the lineup to start the day for Joe Madden's Angels. And again, this is just the fourth series of the season for the Astros. They've only played two games outside the division, and here's three more coming against, I think, clearly, a more competitive Angels team and a more competitive Mariners team. They're going to be with the Astros throughout this season. I think after seeing both teams on that opening road trip, granted it was the first four games of the season, I like the way the Astros play against both those teams, but the way they play against the Angels is absolutely dominant. One more win, and I think in the last, what, since 2017, it'll be their 100th win in 168 games or something, or 167 They're like 99 and 66 or somewhere in that neighborhood, which is unreal. It is unreal, especially when you start to think about some of the guys in that lineup for the Angels, but their problem is staying healthy. I, I... Watching the Angels, I think they're easier to handle and easier to pitch around. The Seattle Mariners are a little bit different for me. I have concerns about their starting rotation. We didn't get a chance to see Robbie Ray. He's going to be excellent. But all the other guys behind him, Brash was erratic, to say the least, but still highly effective. But their bullpen, I didn't see anybody come out of their bullpen that was absolutely blowing the doors off people. So I feel like the Mariners are going to be the most competitive. The Angels, I'm not too sure about. And, again, it's been for them the same story. If it remains the same story, can their guys hit the field, then they probably can compete. If they well, can't, there's no way Mike Trout wants to play in this ballpark. There's no way he no wants way. to play in this ballpark. <laughs> he got hit on the hand in Arlington. He went, yes, I don't, <laughs> I don't have to play in Minute Maid Park. He's hitting 215 in this place. He hates how this can place. You get, how can you get better if you just don't do it? Hey, the, you're a superstar, the best you pick and choose. You want to back off? He wants out of here? He's afraid? I don't know if he's afraid, but he definitely understands the numbers. It was an interesting He's play. no Michael Brantley. If you guys didn't no. see it, that pitch that he got hit by hit him in the waist. Right. He turned into it and put his hand in front of his body, yeah. which is I, just a really – I mean, everything's happening in a split second. Let's be honest. Granted. Well, when I, hand was there. When I initially <laughs> saw it, I thought he got hit in the ribs, and I was like, ooh, that's going to be even – but it. and then on, on second look and slow-mo yeah. and all that kind of stuff, not only do you see that it wasn't the ribs, but that what Wex just mentioned, that he put his hand there. But um, I – it's so weird because I feel like every single year we're talking about uh, the Angels and every bit of talent that they have not only Absolutely. not only have but have added in the off season, yep. and yet here we are again. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's 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 all very early. I just think that uh, the team that calls this place right behind us home is going to be just fine. Yeah, they're going to be absolutely just fine. Again, for them, it's health too, but it's just getting everybody back on the field and getting them playing every day. Uh, Jordan Alvarez being in that lineup just changes absolutely everything and takes a lot of pressure of other guys in there. But just the fact that 
teams have to pitch to him alters how it pit, how they pitch to everybody else. There's some advanced numbers even in this extremely small sample size that paint a pretty good picture of Jordan Alvarez. Similarly for Jeremy Pena, run through a handful of those, talk a little bit more about the lineup. Dusty Baker's trotting out there tonight. Big night, obviously, because it is the home opener for the Astros. Nine games played already, but some festivities before the game. We'll mention some of those, and obviously the ones going on right out here. Big screen to our left, big screen to our right. We got the speakers going. We got a crowd filling up here. We're outside Minute Maid Park, essentially right outside the Astros team store. It's literally right across the street, taking up a couple of blocks here along Texas Avenue. The A-Team live and alive, enjoying the outside on opening day at home for your Houston Astros. Back to Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler. The A-Team on Sports Talk 790. Two-hand flush. Three-pointer as the shot clock expires. Home of your Rockets. Ready to roll out here outside Minute Maid Park. Astros home opener today, 10th game of the season. They're 5-4 on the campaign after those nine games on the road in Anaheim and Arizona. And then in Seattle, Luis Garcia will make his second start of the season right inside the ball yard. We're right outside the ball yard at Lucky's Pop-Up Party. We've got uh, Suds to our left and right. We're in the MVP (laughs) area, and you can join us over here. Enjoy some of the festivities. Free to get into the area. Small fee for the MVPs that want to join week? us. What are we doing? This is awesome. For the whole weekend. This or setup, for the series, I mean. This setup, Feels they, like the they have this area through the week, Monday through Friday. This setup will be in place Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Those of you that do have MVP passes, especially those of you that want them with us, those are good for each of the three days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Let me ask you one thing off the field. We'll see them on Wednesday on the field. We saw you guys in them, and we're seeing tons of people out Ooh, here yeah. in them. And literally, the, there's a group of four that just walked in here to our left in the Space City Nike City Connect uniforms. They're sharp. I like them. I like them a lot. I, I mean, I know they've done a really good job around the league, except for one particular team on the West Coast. It's kind of boring to me. As usual. Yeah, but the fact that they put so much thought into this and then took that Na- that NASA writing on it. The font is what the really font is what cool. crushes it. Yeah. just draws your eye to it. But with the detail with the gopher launch on the inside of the back collar, you know, the eagle has landed on the uh, front left uh, lower part of the uh, jersey is amazing. Go, was it, is it say go for launch on the inside? It's either collar. on the inside or the outside. I can't remember, yeah. but it's on that back collar. Yeah. And it's unreal. I mean, that was probably the most fun. They handed us to those before we wore, actually wore them on air. And the first thing you're doing is like, no way, no way. And very, text, very detailed. everybody going, did you see that? Did you see this? So we wore them that night. And they were absolutely incredible. But they look legit. I can't wait to see them with the full union. You know what was really cool was uh, – the attention to detail is obviously good, but the fact that the rainbow piping is that tequila sunrise all the way around the jersey is absolutely incredible. A lot of good stuff out here at the ballpark and the game itself. The watch party out here, if you want to enjoy it out here with us, that would be awesome. Come say hello. Jeff Blum is here with us for the hour to kick off our week here uh, with the A-team and the Astros being back at home. Uh, did win five of those nine games on the road. Now have three again with the uh, Angels. Mentioned Luis Garcia. We are mentioning a lot of the good and the bad. The first trip through the rotation. Everybody's had a second start except for Luis. He was very good in start number one. Yeah, he's looked good. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch him go out there today. And 
you know, we talked about the shortened spring training. As much as it's affecting hitters, I think, you know, the first start for starting pitchers is going to be great because they're feeling so good coming out of spring training and they're a little more advanced than hitters. I feel like that second that second time through where you kind of change that regime inside, in between starts, and then you come out there and you're trying to adapt to the situation. Obviously, Arizona was just kind of dry, arid, a lot of wind. There was a lot of things, you know, contributing to the factor for Luis Garcia, but it was interesting to watch him. And I know that the game plan, I think, was to go up in the zone with the fastball and try and break some of the sliders, try and break some of the curveballs down. But the fact that he was unable to locate up in the zone, put him behind the ball, and all of a sudden he's walked, what he walked, five guys? It was completely uncharacteristic. But one thing we've learned about Luis Garcia is from start to start, this guy is going to make the adjustment. And I think last time he pitched in this building, or at least one of the few times in the ALCS, I know when he came out busting 96, 97, just a small adjust, adjustment to the mechanics of Luis Garcia. I anticipate he's going to come out here fired up, making those adjustments, working with Josh Miller, the new pitching coach, and making sure that things are right because he doesn't want to fall back in that routine that he had last time in Arizona. Yeah, sadly, yesterday, your conversation with that very man, Josh Miller, should have gone longer, but the Astros oh, fell in man. love with the double play. Dude, is it not ridiculous? I mean, it's amazing how many times. And that, if I had to, if I had analytics on my Twitter feed, mm-hmm. The amount of times that Astro fans absolutely go rage crazy on the Astros is after a double play. Well, because it's not they that they're do not it getting all the time, and it's a buzzkill. It's kill. way more frustrating than not getting men on base. Gosh. Because but then, that's the problem is at the end of every season you lead the league in on base percentage, so it opens itself up for opportunities. Since we're flirting with the FCC this week, it's the <laughs> blue balls of baseball. Yeah, it, it really it's like is. What could have been? Yes. Yeah. Well, you get all ready like, for those I'm runs so that come excited, home. And all of a sudden, you just kind of, yep, that, that was can't, it. Can't happen. Yeah. Nope. Can't happen. Denied. Yep. All those base runners are on base. You're really getting up for it. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> nothing happens. And it's really unfortunate. That's an excellent way of putting it. So let me ask you this about that very that thing. At the end of the hour. <laughs> it happened twice in those four instances. After a walk or after a hit by pitch or after multiple at bats against Brash where he oh, didn't know man. where the ball was going, twice the very next batter. Swung at the first pitch. I'm a little torn because it seems so obvious. Okay, this guy doesn't, doesn't know where the ball's going. Why don't I see if he can figure it out? Because if he can't, then I'm going to be down at first base in four or five pitches versus he doesn't know where it's going, so he's going to take something off of it. He's got to get one over. And why would I n- not just take advantage of that? And it's going to be on the first pitch. If, if you are going to swing at the first pitch on a guy who just threw four pitches out of the zone, it better be a golf ball size zone that you're looking at. And if he does not throw it inside that golf ball zone, or maybe a, you know, an old school mail slot in the front door, if he doesn't throw it in that mail slot, yeah, let that thing go and get another pitch because that's the one you want to. If you're going to go up there and guess, you want to guess on something that you can absolutely hammer, not something you're going to roll over to third base or roll over to shortstop like we saw. That was really frustrating. But like, but to your point, Wex, this is a good enough ball club to know that when situation like Altuve did it. I hate yes. to throw him under the bus. But it, it was just one of the ones where I really sat back and went, no, oh, you can't be doing that because it was a curveball. It was up in the zone. It wasn't a very good pitch. Even if he was guessing on it, it wasn't one of those pitches that you're going to go out there and absolutely destroy and drive in a run. Or if you are, try and take it up the middle the other way. So, you know, it happens to the best of them. And when things like that do happen, I don't want to say the word panic, but there may be a little bit of concern sometimes in those at-bats. You know the text that I send you when things are just going, not even yeah. badly, yeah. they're just almost unlucky. You're, you're or just, anticipating it. Well, it's just dumb. Because <laughs> like the Bregman play where it just it hit his glove. 
Oh, no. You know, things like that defensively yeah. were happening, too. Well, that same inning, Yuli had that same play to his right. Yeah. hit off his glove. And, and he never – you, you take these guys for granted. I've said this, and that's why losing Correa was such a, a gut punch to me was because more so defensively, and we're seeing that in the early stages of the season this year, too, um, I, I was more worried about losing his arm and his defense versus yeah. his bat um, because these guys – and Bregman was a guy that last year – you had to deal with that because he wasn't right physically when he was out there. So you weren't even seeing the defensive prowess that you normally would. Um, it just felt like one of those days where it just wasn't going to go your way because same with Urquidy. He wasn't terrible to start the game at no, all. he was great. And if the Astros had capitalized on some of those earlier uh, walks and, and just traffic on base in general, then maybe it's not such a, a lopsided affair and maybe we're not seeing a, an MLB debut. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how long Dusty would have left him out there with pitch count involved and all that. It would have been interesting if he had a couple more runs. He might have leaned on him a little bit more and let him go out there. But I tell you what, you know, as much as we get mad at those double plays, how about being on the other side? Yeah. The Seattle Mariners, how about Brash going, man, I've got my stuff's all over the place today, yet yeah. I'm getting out of here. My pitch count's low. But as a play, as a team, you're watching Brash throw it, and you're standing behind him. You're going, oh, dear God, we're going to be out here forever. That, and that's why when you guys put up that graphic of the two guys, the two starters' days, it was like, oh, man, it's, it doesn't tell the, the game yeah, the way. it didn't tell the whole story. Because if those double plays don't happen, then the Astros are scoring two or three runs. At least. They play from behind. They're under pressure. But once they got those double plays, you really felt like the momentum was on their side, even when they got to the plate to get some of those hits off Urquidy. Something that is clearly, to me, not a fluke, uh, you can have a homer, you can have a double, you can get a hit here and there. You might have a three-hit game. You probably can't have three three-hit games in your first <laughs> in your eight first week, and week call it leagues. a fluke. What is he doing at the plate against pitchers? He's basically – there's a few of them he probably has seen and that some of them are younger and he might have seen them. But remember, it's not like he was spending time at AAA either. It's not like yeah. he had a 2020. He barely had a 2021 because of his own injury. And, again, only spent a month at AAA to begin with. What do you see when he steps in the box – box with his plan and then his ability to barrel it up his hard hit balls are higher than anybody's number yeah. one among shortstops in baseball in hard hit balls this season he does a very good job of clearing space on the inside because it's kind of fun to watch i'm watching i know what jeremy Pena can do and i have confidence in what he's able to do i'm trying to watch and see what other teams are are seeing in him we saw the, the Angels go out there and try and really bust him in, except for Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani threw him a ton of sliders. He was unable to catch up to it. But that's a lot of guys in the league. Shohei Otani is an elite pitcher when he goes out there with his stuff. But he was able to rebound after a tough night against Shohei, come up against Reed Detmers, hit a bomb, get two more hits, and all of a sudden he said, oh, this guy can play a little bit. And I love the fact that he bounced back and didn't even think about the day before. But I was looking at the numbers today. I think he's well over 500 on pitches on the inside, and that's typically what big league pitchers, veteran pitchers, come after young guys and say, okay, I'm going to come in, I'm, I'm gonna come into your kitchen, see if you can get me out. He's cleared space on that. And I've also seen him take mistakes, you know, pitches that they're trying to make but make mistakes and leave it out, leave it out on the plate, and he absolutely destroys. And that's what we saw yesterday with some of those pitches, or the two days ago, some of the pitches were left out over the plate, and then he went to town and just hammered it. He, he's not missing pitches he's supposed to hit. Got Blummer in studio today, and by in studio, I mean out of the office and into the Lucky's pop-up area right across, I mean, throwing so distance. temptation over here. Do it. 
I can't. You told Joe you were in trouble. Going, you're not in trouble. I know. I got your back. I, I will if you will. Look at Joe. She throwing, Joe wants throwing it. beers at me. Joe wants he wants to shotgun a beer with you. <laughs> we might do that between uh, now and the top of the hour when Blum uh, has to step aside for his day job. But uh, we've got Blummer here, and we are here until 6 o'clock and beyond out here at the Lucky's pop-up area outside of the home plate entrance right across the street from Minute Maid Park. Astros taking on the Angels. It's Home opener action here on your home for Astros baseball, Sports Talk 790. Adam Wexler here. I want to tell you about Classic Chevy, Sugarland Classic Chevy Highway 6. The weekend just passed. An opportunity for you to enjoy your car buying experience at either location. Classic Chevy Highway 6, open for business on Sunday. Classic Chevy Sugarland, open for business on Saturday. Whatever best suits your needs, they are there for you. It's among the many reasons why they are the GM dealer of the year now, 11 years running. It's one of the many reasons why everybody enjoys that uh, process, myself included, enjoying driving around in my Chevy Traverse right there from Classic Chevy Sugarland, and you can too. Same place you can find them online, a lot of good information on all the new vehicles they have on site because nobody has more inventory than Classic Chevy Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6. ClassicChevySugarland.com, ClassicChevyHighway6.com. And when you head on over there and find that new vehicle of your dreams, you tell them Adam Wexler sent you by. Smartphones, laptops, desktops, smart TVs, tablets, and smart speakers. All you have to do is tell your smart device. Play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. Back here with you on the E-Team on Sports Talk 790. It's a Monday afternoon. We are outside enjoying the cloudless skies right outside Minute Maid Park. We're at the Lucky's pop-up party all afternoon long and evening and tomorrow and Wednesday and throughout the week. You can have a great time getting ready for the ball game. Ten games into the season. That's where we're at today with the Astros finally getting that first home date tonight against the Angels. Of course, we've got the game for you right here on your home for Astros baseball. Wex, Clanton, Joe all out here with you. And, of course, the first hour today joined by Jeff Blum as the Astros again get to be in front of the fans. That was pretty obvious listening to some of the players throughout the week and then on Sunday afternoon after the game in Seattle that this isn't your typical start to the season, and so far from it. We were mentioning this before we got started today. They didn't just pick up their stuff from Houston before the season started in Anaheim and go out for a three-city road trip. They picked up their stuff from Houston in February and went to spring training in West Palm Beach, Florida, and then went all the way across the country to the West Coast without ever coming home. All of spring training, then the first nine games of the season, and now finally in their own beds, at home, and from a baseball standpoint, most importantly, Jeff, in front of these fans and inside this ballpark, where I think the expectations are very reasonable to think they're going to hit the ball just fine. They are going to hit the ball just fine. I think it's going to be a good good evening, a good opening day. These guys are exhausted from that trip, and being, being able to travel this season has put me in a unique situation to not, not just hear the crowd mics, and some of the some of the noises that these teams are hearing, and I'm sure everybody who watches the game understands what I'm talking about with the booing when certain guys come to the plate. Why do yeah. people still boo Jose Altuve? I, I don't know. I Have don't. they learned yet? It's just, it, it, that's the part. Sometimes that, when these fans are going into their home stadiums, they. They check them on the way in. You know how they frisk them order. They actually see if the fans have a string on them, like those TNCs. <laughs> and if you're just a, a lemming that follows along with the narrative, yes. boom, you're in. Probably in the front row right behind the opponent dugout. We told you you are supposed to hate Jose Altuve. Okay, I will ho- hate 
Jose Altuve. Yeah. Should I boo? Yes, you should. And yeah. then they do. Uh, That's what it seems they like. Do. I didn't mean to interrupt, but I no, just but I, I heard truth. that a lot. It's all a, that it's trip. It's a worthwhile conversation because when you're when you're on when you're in the studio like we were the last two years, you know the crowd mics get pumped up, or maybe there's some idiot next to the mic doing something that you're just you like. Can you turn that down? Right. So you can adjust on that. You can adjust when you're in that ballpark and you actually hear it and see it and, and understand how many people are actually doing it, and it just drives me nuts because. That, 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 how has that become the narrative that Altuve's the poster child for whatever happened in 2017 is beyond me? He's one of the greatest athletes in the game. He's one of the greatest second basemen we're probably ever going to see, and he's the face of the Astros. Maybe that's the you know the, the well, circumstance. But why are you booing a we guy where statistically it shows right. he did not do anything? Right, him and Josh he's Reddick been doing especially this since he's been in the league. And, and we talked about this last week. I don't think it was the day that you were on because we are actually doing back to back shows with you because of the schedule, but. Um, I and this is my opinion. I'm not speaking for Wex. I think it's because obviously he was the MVP that year. Judge wasn't. I think that he's short. I do think that factors into it really? because this little kid looking guy, what was what these opposing fan hey, bases are saying. Wait a minute. That's what they're saying. Wait a minute. Is, yeah, put up those kind of numbers. Is destroying numbers. your. He's he's taking your soul out and throwing it on home plate. I really do think, think that factors short into doesn't it. Doesn't mean you're a little kid, does it? Well, that's what they. That's those are the things that they heart. say. Huh. I mean, we we look at him as like the littlest giant, literally the littlest giant. I mean, he he's got the biggest heart, and it's amazing to me. As <laughs> and obviously, we're all everybody's built a little bit differently. If that was me, I would be so outraged that every time I got a hit, I would probably Kyrie Irving the place. Well, maybe he is, but he channels it the right way. He does, and I've had the chance to get near him and talk to him and ask him about at bats and and see what's going on, and he doesn't even flinch. He has been the same Jose Altuve yeah. Yeah. from the day I met him in 2013 to the opening day of 2022. Uh, well, something Wex brought up with that, too, is that we also think that because he and Bregman were the two that were out front. And they're the only two left in that line. I mean, you leave, but really, yeah. yeah. But before but were, everyone went into the clubhouse. They were the two house. that had the apology, you're right. Exactly, yeah. and it was. I, I didn't think that was a good move, but whatever. We, we're not the ones paid to arrange all that kind of stuff. So whatever they wanted to do, they did. And I do think that that, because I saw people responding to it. I saw this whole thread from Seattle fans. Well, I didn't like the way he and Bregman were out out front after that. They didn't well, like it either. Yeah, they didn't probably even want to do that because that's not. It was so sterile. You it put ninety five percent of America out in that situation. And they're, then they, they're not going to handle it. But well. then everybody goes into the clubhouse and starts talking to people, and you it hear Correa, all those people. Yep. And it would have been so much better if they had just done that. Yeah. Right up front, and then he wouldn't. I don't think there would have been as much. But I do think because of who he is to the team and who he was that season. Yeah. That's a big part of why he gets that but it's still stupid and it's it's really but, but that's why today makes it great that's why 80 times right. 81 times a year he can come home and get that love because everybody in houston obviously loves the guy for everything he's done but i just love the way that they they all they don't overdo it but they really kind of get a little more boisterous about the fact that hey we appreciate everything you've done for the city altuve and how you've played the game and done it right because he he is he is one of the greats on and off the field for me so i would say up until yesterday Kyrie Irving, Jose Altuve analogy. <laughs> Up until yesterday, Jose Altuve had done exactly what Kyrie Irving does. Just go out there and crush. Kyrie Irving has been unreal this year. Maybe the yeah. best actual basketball he's ever played. And he's been really good before. <laughs> and he's 
un insane, unstoppable talent. Well, he's fresh because he's only been playing 50% but, of the but time. But Altuve, that's what he does all the time. He gets right. booed, yes. he gets a homer. He gets booed, he gets a hit. He goes out there, he strikes. It doesn't phase him at all. Yesterday's Kyrie Irving reaction to it is something Jose's never done never. and never will. Never will. No, he, he, is comp- he is in complete control. He's a guy that understands who he is. He understands the, the reputation or the brand, if you will, he's created. And he's not going to deviate from that. I think he's got a, he's got a bigger outlook on, on the game itself. He's got a bigger outlook on himself than, than a lot of people think. And he, he's just going to continue to play the game of baseball. That's what he's built to do, no matter who's out there screaming at him and what they're saying to him. One guy we figured weren't sure where he would end up in how he'd be used this year during the offseason because of Correa's departure was Aledmus Diaz. There was some thought, well, maybe Payne is not ready. Maybe he's your short stop he's going to be here they'll figure out a way or the same thing will happen as happens every year they always need him they yep. need him somewhere or literally they need him everywhere he's already played six different positions six, yep. and it, while he's not putting up unbelievable offensive numbers by any means he's again he goes up there and he almost always has a good at bat he had a bunch of them against brash unfortunately one of them <laughs> in which he got hit but he's still doing all those things you got to have a couple of guys for these very reasons, Guriel's on the paternity list. Alvarez is on the COVID nineteen. You got to have major leaguers ready to go play ball. He continues to prove he's one of them. No, he he he's a beautiful stopgap. He's the, he's that emergency guy. You know, what is it? Uh, you know that emergency button that's sitting on the desk of Dusty Baker when a guy comes in, a regular comes in and says, "Hey, I'm not feeling right. This is happening. I got to go have a baby. I've, I've got the flu. I've got this." And all of a sudden, Dusty goes, "Hey, man, go take care of what you need to. I'm going to write a lead Misty is and be perfectly fine with it because." I think you're right in the sense that his at-bats, they may not always end up being you know, a home run or a double or a game-winning hit, but he's always putting together at least a four, five, six pitch at-bat where he's kind of wearing down the pitcher or he's at least the threat. You know, that's one of those things when you guys, when you have guys on the bench, you want to have somebody that can step into the box and have the opposing pitcher go, hey, if I make a mistake, it could get ripped. And Ledmus Diaz is a perfect example of that. And he plays a very competent shortstop, which is something you kind of build off of when you're a utility guy. So you can go play third, second, first, uh, and play left field now. He nearly pulled off one of those plays the other day on that sliding play and the throw on over. It was a bad hop on the throw to first. You guys did a good job with the uh, additional looks at it because that's a – Yuli makes that play 99 times out of 100. And the ball just didn't skip, bounce the way he expected it to, and otherwise they might have had the play. He did have a little bit of space in between his foot and the the dish over there at first, but you never know if the umpire's looking or not. But there was no reason for him to because the play wasn't made or if in New general. Even looking. Exactly. And we've seen some interesting replays here. The one other position we haven't talked about we'll hit on on the other side here. And they got a lot of uh, ground to cover, and that is the center field area. Some left field as well. Both McCormick and Siri will talk about the starts they've gotten off to this season. A look at uh, a little bit of what we will see tonight with Luis Garcia on the bump. Home opener. Astros baseball here on Sports Talk 790. You know what would make the uh, home opener worse is if you had to try and walk into the stadium tonight with joint pain or knee pain or back pain, basically anything that you're needing relief from and you don't want to do so through the act of surgery, through any sort of pain medication, 
You don't want downtime either. That's why you want to get in touch with our good friends over at QC Kinetics. We're sitting out here, standing out here in some pretty warm weather, but we know it's going to get a lot warmer. You're going to want to be outside. You're going to want to be doing all the active things that you do as a Houstonian in the summer. So why not make sure that you're not having to do that with the joint pain that you've been suffering from? QC Kinetics can make that happen. Yeah, because it's life-changing. Get back to moving like you used to with no drugs, no surgery, no downtime. We're talking about natural biologic treatments, real lasting pain relief because they're restoring and repairing damaged joint tissue. That means they're getting to the root of the pain. 713-913-5285. That's QC Kinetics. That's how you can get yourself set up for a free consultation. Learn more about these amazing natural biologic treatments. QC Kinetics, 713-913-5285. 713-913-5285 for QC Kinetics. Back to Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler. The A-Team on Sports Talk 790. For the corner, and that's down! Home of your Astros. It is the A-Team. That's what happens when you open your mouth and sound comes out. Here on Sports Talk 790. Are you is that, good? Is that this medium? Is this what we're working uh-huh. on? Uh, it's part uh-huh. of it. Yeah. There's other things that go into it. Ooh. Blummer yeah, buddy. is with us for one more segment as we uh, take you up until 6 o'clock tonight. He'll be with us until 4 o'clock. And we were just talking about it during the break. If you're not already like, well, why are you working today anyways? A lot of people took <laughs> the Monday after Easter off too. It should be mandatory vacation time in I mean, what, March and April here in Houston. The fact that it butted up against you know the the home opener for the Astros and they've been on the road as Wex affectionately oh. mentioned for about two months, literally in their case. But it seems like it for all of us that they've been on the I road. I mean, they that could long. have been six and zero oh by the time they went on that road trip, but the schedule stayed the way it was. True, Phillies and Yankees. Yep. Yankees suck. I mean, I granted the Astros <laughs> are my analysis. The, gra- the Yankees suck. <laughs> the Astros <laughs> aren't the Orioles, them? but they might have been able to beat them. The they Orioles they shot lost out that twice. game that Nestor Cortez went out and struck out 12 in five innings, and they lost that yeah, game. Well, when you don't score, you can't win. Gosh. <laughs> that's, that's a rule. It's new for baseball in 2022. Only this you year. mean Manfred didn't put anybody on base for him? Oh, my oh, God. How awesome. What? Can you imagine if you turned the clock back and you were coming to the yard, get your uniform on, sitting at your locker, and there was a note sitting there from uh, Bud Selig, and he gifted you a pair of headphones? You, How sweet you would that have been? it again. <laughs> It's Dud Selig, man. As a, as a former player, how do you respond to that? There's no chance I'm, I, I, I'm donating that to a certain receptacle. <laughs> what is that for? How about giving it to every every usher and every ticket taker that works at a stadium? Give them that. That's not They're making the millions. They're the took the beating from not, from not having that opening week right here at Minute Maid Park. It never ceases to amaze me how the Suck 1%. Suck up to the players. The players aren't going to take that's going to. They're not going to take that as respect. The 1% in this country has no idea what it's like outside the bubble, and sports is no different, and that was a clear-cut example. Oh. Look, there's probably not a lot. Another. Here. Right, but there's probably not a lot that he could have done that wouldn't have been criticized. I'm guessing just because of the, just just take the L and just start the season and stop trying. Yeah, he to. would have been better if he would have just kept saying, "Hey, we worked it out. We got a CBA. We're playing for the next five years. Let's go, boys." I, I really agree with that. I mean, gift card to a grocery store, Starbucks. Sure, he dipped sh- into his Troop Bucks. I don't know. I could go. I, I could go nuts <laughs> well, how far on this can thing. Troop Bucks take you exactly? I don't know. It depends if they're worth as much of a Stanley Nickel. What do you think about the center field? I like it for that, the job. I, that is a nice transition, and I, I'm grateful for it because 
that's something I look forward to. I look forward to Chaz McCormick's appearance. I look forward to Jose Siri. I look forward to the opportunity that we saw the other day with Rikidi out there where you had Chaz in, or who was it before? Justin Verlander's game when you had Chaz in left, you had Jose Siri. All of a sudden you've got crazy coverage out there in a massive outfield like Seattle, and they made it look easy. Uh, you know, El Rayo, uh, Siri is a lot of fun to watch. I know that outside of an Astros uniform or Astros fan base, you may be like, dude, this guy is driving me nuts. <laughs> but that's part of the beauty of it is he takes advantage of the situation. He's going to play the game he w- the way he plays the game. He's ours. So we're going to love on him. And I love the way he goes out there and plays. And he's made, what, two four-star catches already, so he's showing some incredible range. Hit a 456-foot bomb. I had no idea he had that kind of pop in that frame that he's got. And then you've got Chaz, who's just captain consistency out in the outfield, making a lot of great plays. And he's another guy for me, like Aledmus Diaz. He puts together some solid at-bats, man. I, I just like the fact that it's not sexy depth necessarily, but it is depth. Yes. And, and you have needed it already. Well, you knew you were going to need it coming into the season because uh, of Jake. But I was asking him last week, like, is that his spot? Because once he comes back... He's going to have to – it's not like you're going to tell the guys that have been playing and playing well in some cases, whether it's defensively or at the plate, yeah, you got to step aside. Like He's going to have to work his way well, back he, anyways. Yes. So 100%. I don't – that's going to be a very interesting position to keep an eye on going forward too. Yeah. Uh, Jake, I, I do believe that when Jake is healthy, Jake is definitely going to have to work his way back up, rehab through the different levels, get to a point where he's a space cowboy and really puts up big numbers before he gets called up because if – Siri and Chaz continue to do what they're doing, there's really no reason to go get Jake Myers and say, this is your spot, because those guys are performing so well. But the other thing I like about McCormick and Siri is is that they're not they're not bitching and moaning. They're not right. complaining. They're, they're sitting there going, hey, I understand the situation. It's going to be Siri one day. It's going to be me the next. Or it's going to be me two days, Siri the next two days. But when they're out there, they're taking advantage, taking advantage of the opportunity. And that's what I love about those guys is they're not sitting there going, oh, woe is me, I should get more at-bats. They're going, these are my at-bats. I'm going to go out there and rake, and if I'm in there tomorrow, great. If I'm not, I'm definitely going to get my, get my swings in today. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating team, and it's, a, it's like a living, breathing organism the way it's going to change, and that's how every baseball season ten, tends to be. It's just that I think so many things because of He said it last week. Your expectations for this team are just so astronomical. 135 and 27. Coming her way. Best Why not? record in baseball history. 135 <laughs> like, 27. One once, loss a week Once all they've year. gone to three World Series in five years, it's hard not to be a little unrealistic. Yeah. No, we're spoiled. I'm really spoiled. This is not normal. No, and, you know, it, it's great to be able to talk to some of the coaching staff and and we sit there and we talk about things like you're talking about. Can you believe that we're getting they another? They know that. Well, th- they sit there in awe of the fact that they're getting another American League championship ring. Right. You know, there's not too many teams that picked up three rings in five years. It's like, One oh, of it's, it's the runner-up. Are you kidding me? And then you look at this year and you go, man, we have a real chance to go out there and do it again. Yeah. And everybody who does the analytics, everybody who, you know, on fan graphs and baseball perspectives who does the projections projects the Astros to be great. And you got to remember, Lance McCullers Jr., he, he was throwing on this road trip. If he gets back healthy... Dude, watch out, That's man, the key. all of a sudden, yeah. you, talk, you talked about the depth. Oh, somebody's unfortunately going to have to be out of that rotation. and go, go to Rizzi. But there, there are options, and there are very good options, and that's what's crazy to me, and that's what the coaches say. They go, we're not done. And I think that's the beauty of this team is you realize you are not done, and well, they still have a 
some really good arms in AAA and A ball. I think that, and, and our producer, Joe George, has been driving the uh, Christian Javier fan train. I mean, he is the He's president of the fan club. He's pretty good. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Dusty's thinking, and I don't know what the organization is thinking, but. I mean, you see a start, and I get it. It's early. They like for, getting zeros from him, and he keeps giving it. That's to what him, I'm so saying. Going well, to keep well, doing it's, it. it's like a Lemus Diaz. You need that protection plan, and unfortunately, Christian Javier is very good at being that protection plan. But and I, I, do, I mean, and let's just say it. Do you think that Jake Odorizzi has a spot in the rotation because of the amount of, of money he makes, as much as anything? And, I, I, I don't know if it, I, I'm not one that believes in the money is going to dictate how much playing time you get. I think that you know, there is a little bit of. Of, of being a veteran and being a guy who's, who was an all-star in 2019. I think there is a little bit of grace being given to him because he was thrust into a situation, you know, when we thought Framber Valdez was going to be down. But I really think that they are being a little more graceful in the amount of time they're allowing Jake Odorizzi to figure out what he needs to do because they've seen him succeed. Mm-hmm. So the hope is that Jake can get that fastball right, get the split right, and contribute to this rotation. I think they're going to give him some opportunities to continue to see if he can be that guy because Christian Javier has already proven that he's pretty pretty legit. You have a day job to get to. Eventually, yeah. So we're going to have to let you uh, step aside. But it's good uh, talking with you, as always, catching up, and finally in person for the first time during the regular season. And uh, what a what a setting to bring you out here. But we always like to give props to the people that make it possible to have you out here each and every week as well. Yeah, it's been fun to work with Low T Center. And, again, getting back here, seeing all the fans and seeing you guys and hanging out, it's really going to be fun to go back and see my friends at Low T Center just because I could use the pick-me-up. It's been a while. And, uh, you know, Wex talking about getting up for these things. Sometimes you do need a little bit of help, and LowTCenter.com is the place to go do it. I highly recommend it. Not only am I an endorser, I'm a patron. <laughs> LowTCenter.com. Thanks for having me, guys. No, thanks for coming out. Thanks for uh, – it's a good thing that we had you here when we did because – Yeah, the vicinity right here. I mean, I know when you're in the ballpark it's really good. Yeah. But considering the weather, this is even better. Now, Texas is already filling up um, with the yeah. traffic, so – uh, and this this area that we're in is our is also going to continue to fill up as we get closer and closer to first pitch. You should have people that drive by if they're listening have them honk. See well, honk. let's see. Yeah, let's see how many of we them play are. That game that could be really depressing too. How many of them are trying to get to a lot, and how many of them are <laughs> mad because this game is happening? Let's just see what the uh, what the there's uh, always that crowd. The split is here. <laughs> That's Jeff Blum here on Sports Talk 790, AT&T Sportsnet, and of course former player and all around fine American. He joins us each and every week. And we'll have him here before you know it again next week. But we've got plenty more to get to. Two more hours out here at the Lucky's Pop-Up here on Sports Talk 790. Looking forward to that as we continue getting you ready for the home opener, Astros Baseball. Two lifelong Houston sports guys named Adam talking your teams. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A-Team. We are live outside of Minute Maid Park. It is the Lucky's pop-up. And let me tell you, I I was getting pictures of the setup earlier today. Joe set this whole thing up. Did you guys know that? Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, I did so much work. There you go. He's mad because I didn't tell him I was going to talk to you. Our engineer is very, very crotchety today. Uh, Wex is on site with us as well. Now, he, uh, you set this whole thing up. Yeah, I did so much work. I mean, I got here at 10, 10.05 in the morning, and, you know, there was some there was a cord back there, and I put the tape down to make sure that no one would trip over it. And then that's about – I played cornhole. And then he played cornhole. And apparently others Three were and playing. Three and one. Yeah. But 
there's so much going on, and there's going to be so many more people filing in here because it's just like it's not quite the World Series because you remember the crowds that were out here when we were you know getting ready for those games, but. Um, and actually, we were in, inside at that point. But, the, I mean, it's just spectacular weather. I was actually a little worried that we were going to get a little too Houston uh, because of the late start to the season and then the nine-game road trip. But they're finally home, and we're outside, and it's picture perfect. So if you're even – if you're, like, on, this, on the, the fence and you're thinking about whether or not you should actually pull the trigger, come down here, absolutely do it. Lots to get in on. Uh, food trucks, T-shirt lines, all of your favorites that are all out here. It's going to be a good time outside, and it's going to get you ready for what's going to go on inside, which I mean, we just talked about it with Blum for an entire hour, and we thank him, as always, for stopping by. But look, they will be fine, and Wex didn't even have to talk me off the ledge, even after losing two out of three in the fashion you lost the two out of three to the April division champs every year, the Seattle Mariners. They love winning in April. Love it. Well, I mean, I heard first place at Angels like ten times today. Uh, so they also love it, but isn't Wex? Wouldn't you say it's just like uh, it's so bad? That's why it's not a worry. It's not even like it's a little bad. It's so bad. It, it's impossible for it to be this bad for more than like the next seven. You're talking days. about the offense. Yeah, the offense. The pitching's fine. Whatever. They had a couple bad. And the defense is fine. Weekend. Defense is good. Like they haven't had any big blunders. There was that the one play from Chaz where, uh, last week where. It would have been a sack fly anyways, and it bounced off his glove, so it didn't matter. Like the And Alex Bregman probably could have been a few inches taller yesterday, but that's yeah, about whatever. It actually like. looked like he had a bigger glove than usual. I'm surprised he didn't glove it. Maybe that helped him not. Did he borrow Benatendi's glove? He just usually plays third base, which he plays every day, with a smaller piece of leather. It looked just looked a little bit bigger. But, yeah, it would have been a nice play to make. Same thing with Ledmus, and I agree on the offense. I mean, I don't know what kind of predictions to make because I think day-to-day -day baseball predictions are silly, but... In the age of daily fantasy sports, they're not as silly as they once were. Okay, so the Astros are going to murder the baseball right. during these six games at home, in my opinion. I think the Blue Jays have a handful of elite starters and then a bunch of guys they wish they could replace. And I think the Angels are hoping that Lorenzen can prove to be a good starting pitcher, but obviously he's never done that before. So that is a major concern. He did have a very good start the first time. I think the Astros... Like, I really want to make two predictions. A, they'll homer in the first inning tonight. And oh. B, Jordan's putting one in the upper deck. Mm. Oh, <laughs> you're going to have me go Hans Gruber. Oh, that is beautiful. I would love if that happened. Hey, look, if that's the guy that does it too, that'll put you at ease. Because I, and I'm, I'm not going to lie when I say this. I had just completely forgotten he was out of the lineup. It's not... I mean, I know he's out of the lineup clearly because I hear, but you just, when you get into the intricacies of the game and you get frustrated with everything that's going on, it's like this isn't even their real lineup. Not even close. Yeah, every day, like we mentioned, they've, they've had something just to miss, but, you know, that's kind of the baseball season. And right. in, in some instances, it's a longer term injury. And the good news for the Astros is they don't have any of those offensively yet. Just been a couple days here, a couple days there. James Click, his usual Sunday appearance on uh, the radio broadcast during the pregame show, was talking about the at bats. and. That's what I still think almost always holds true. Some people like hearing it. Some people hate it because they just are results, and that's all that matters. But that's why they have the numbers. That's why analytics exists. That's why they utilize these numbers to forecast what players will be. That's how they know who's good and who isn't beyond just the, he got three hits and ten at-bats. He's a 300 hitter, case closed. These at-bats that they're having that are resulting in poor outcomes are not bad at-bats. They don't look fooled at the plate. They're not... Uh, unhinged with what they're trying to get accomplished and they still have like I don't think Kyle Tucker looks anything like what he looked like at the beginning of last year 
and yet the results he's producing are so incredibly similar. He's still it's crazy. He's second on the team in hard hit balls. He's third on the team in barrel percentage, and he can't buy a hit. He hit two home runs in one game, and he cannot get on base unless he walks any other time. That is going to change. He didn't become a poor hitter from the World Series last year to the beginning of this year. So those are just very unconcerning parts of a 5-4 and four start, and that's what I said right out of the gate. When the Astros were 5-3, and three, one game ago, <laughs> one game ago, that on pace guy i heard from him this weekend oh no he, he said they'd be on pace to go 160 if they're five and three a terrible five and three that's what they're forecast to do so just go easy on them maybe maybe they'll end up with a losing record at some point this season it could happen in two days but this team is clearly good if healthy and they're healthy they'll be good it's fine okay i do have one question though so i think it's fair to say like it's just a slow start it is what it is at some point is do you do you factor in the fact that guys like Altuve and all the regulars had what one nine inning game in spring training? Like it did feel like Dusty and the Astros took a non typical approach to spring training when the starters didn't play for what the first four games. I'll say this: I think it was a, a poor approach, and I think it has nothing to do with what they're okay, doing. Okay, that's fair. I I'm don't understand what what sense it makes that you're trying to ease them into spring training. That's literally what spring training is. You, you play them so they can ease into what they're doing. Not playing them doesn't help them at all. So I didn't really understand it. I don't advise doing it ever again, and I think it made no sense while they were doing it. I, I'm okay with giving guys days off early in the season, which he's already done, which a lot of people have scoffed at. But I don't think Jose Altuve is hitting under 200 and Tucker under 200 and Yuli under 200, and their OPSs are all under 550 is because they didn't get – because they didn't have the option of getting 65 spring training at bats. They could have had 35. They might have had 38 or 40. I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference to what they're doing now. I don't think this is an extension of spring training. You know, some guys hit well, some guys don't. Most offenses around baseball are way down, and I don't think it's because pitchers got really, really awesome. I just think that's the nature of what this season uh, has in store for us probably through, I mean, it could end, as, as, like I said, as, as early as today. Remember, all the numbers you're comparing for the Astros against everybody else in baseball other than the A's who've also not been at home, they're all road numbers. 100% of the Astros' numbers are from away from their homes, literally, and their home ballpark we where they're going to be better like every team in baseball is. Yeah, no, we and we also saw the, uh, the new technology in play in Astros games and around Major League Baseball. I'm being serious when I say this or ask this. I'm not, this is not a joke. How much do you think that's figuring into the offense being down across the majors? You mean you think Pitchcom is preventing teams from stealing signs? I'm asking. That's, I mean, it's what, only one Astros? Two, two I think. and Verlander have both yeah, used it. Two games. And randoms. I mean, I don't think there's too many to cite around the league, but uh, I really don't think it has much to do with it. We'll see. And way too small a sample size, I think, to make a, an assumption on what we've seen. True. You can make a guess on what the presumed role is, and I think it's twofold. And I don't, I'm surprised baseball hasn't put it out here this way because, again, go back to 2019 and the ridiculous thing that comes down on the Astros. So the Astros are the only team that's stealing signs illegally, clearly. That's why they're yes. the only ones that were punished. And cheaters. The, everything came down the way it did. Stinking cheaters. Then why do, do we need an anti-sign-stealing electronic device? Nobody else is doing it, <laughs> so why do we need it? Wait, because but the reason you also need it is because it absolutely speeds games up. 
pictures are going to know it, it's just so easy unless there becomes some sort of electronic issue or you can't understand the voice that's coming through there pictures can then I, I wish i could recall who i heard and let, maybe it was jeff and todd or it was somebody else talking about it you know a guy hits a foul ball two seconds later with nobody in the batter's box nobody standing on the mound nobody behind home plate Martin Maldonado can punch a couple buttons, and Justin Verlander knows what pitch he wants. And if he doesn't want to shake it off, he just walks on the mound and throws it. Mm -hmm. Things can work much more quickly. We saw the nonsense with Kenley Jansen the other day where he didn't have enough time to warm up, and he wanted two more pitches. The umpire said, I'll give you one, but that's all you get. We're running out of time here. That's so baseball. They, they are trying to speed the game up, and I, I hope that those things work. But, again, it, <laughs> I still always find this fascinating. If a game's too long because it goes three hours and ten minutes and we want to speed it up, to me that means if we could get it to like 2.15, I think the fans would love it and TV would be great. They're trying to shave off like a minute, four minutes, five minutes. I just can't imagine that means anything to how much action you're going to see, how much fan inter interest in it. It's just such a small percentage of the actual game time. But I guess any little bit counts. See, my, my biggest argument with like the whole game time thing is this is what I feel like is going to happen. They are going to shorten the games, like you're saying, Wex, three, four, five minutes at most. And you know what they're going to do? Oh, Gordy out here Seriously, just breaking. Dude. Oh, no, I'll just put the leg back on. I'm sure nobody will notice the cornhole. He's so bad at throwing <laughs> cornhole that he had to break it. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> they're just going to shorten these no games. No comment on some of the people that came out here to, to watch the show today? Don't you appreciate the colonel coming out to watch us? Wait, wait. Sitting right there under the Shiner tent? <laughs> Which one's the Colonel? Hey. From Ed, Boogie Ed, Nights? Eddie. Do you mind if I see it? Really? You think he looks like him? Dead Ringer. Didn't he have like a, a I, mustache or something? I, am I your friend? <laughs> Are you my friend, Jack? No, I, I know who you're talking about no, now that. No mustache. No? No. All right. Well, the people sitting I around him are somebody. agreeing with you. He funds, he funds the films. Yeah. yeah. That was. Um, that was a creepy character. I don't so know there are a few other things to I didn't discuss. watch it this weekend. I, we'll, we'll get back to that, I'm sure. We've been hit heavy on the baseball. We're out here at uh, Lucky's Pop-Up Party right outside Minute Maid Park, right outside the Astros team store. And again, all you have to do is walk in. That's admission. Walk right in. It's free for all. We do have an MVP area we are actually broadcasting from. Uh, you can get in there as well. Small fee. Uh, and enjoy some of the things that are here. Food trucks there, all sorts of great stuff. Our friends from uh, Running Game Clothing in the house as well. A lot of good stuff here. And there were some other items this weekend worthy of discussion. Signature segment time is next. That means time for the good, the bad, and the ugly here on a welcome back from the weekend edition of the 8th. Now, the good. Oh, good. The bad. That's not good. And the ugly. Don't make me get ugly. With the A-Team. We're showing you the good, the bad, the ugly, the ugly. Signature segment time here around 4.15 uh, each and every weekday afternoon here on the A-Team. Wex, Joe, and AC here with you live outside Minute Maid Park, just outside the Astros team store right here in the Lucky's pop-up party. A lot of peeps out here, a lot of Astros gear in the house. And this weekend, for the good, the bad, the ugly, it was the opening of the NBA's postseason. Four games Saturday, four games on Sunday 
Well, there were some hits, and there were some big, big misses, as expected. There's a handful of teams that might not win a game in the postseason. But, as expected, as I'm sure many predicted, like myself, the series that should be phenomenal was Boston and Brooklyn. It did not disappoint. It had a buzzer beater. And somewhat surprisingly, we get two goods out of it because both radio broadcast teams crushed it on the call. Here's Brooklyn. Has dominated the fourth. Played tightly by Smart. Double comes. Moves left. Cuts back right. Irving dancing right of the lane. Stops. Doubled. Out to Durant. Three to shoot. KD trying to separate. Tough contested three. No good off the side of the rim. Celtics to the rebound. Ten seconds to go. They're not calling a timeout. Front court Jalen Brown. Rattle on the baseline. Five seconds to go. Brown out of left wing. Smart with two, with one. Tatum a layup. God at the horn. Celtics win. Celtics win at the buzzer on a layup by Jason Tatum. And they're going absolutely wild here at TD Garden. Again, that's the Brooklyn call, which was excellent in defeat. Here's what it sounded like for Celtics fans. Durant hounded by Tatum. Durant, tough three, late in the shot clock. No good. Celtics have the rebound. Horford. Kyrie tried to do it by himself, but he got burned. Nine seconds to go. Jalen turns the corner on Dragic. Eight seconds. Kick out. Left side. Smart up fixed. Finds the cutter. Tatum spins, lays it up and in to beat the buzzer. It's over. It's over. The Celtics have won the ball game at the buzzer. Marcus Smart the three that killed the final seconds Tatum joined the play late spun at the rim and scored they will check the clock but it reads double zeros right now <laughs> win three more times but I'm glad they're excited yeah that's sweet potato pie line I'm not sure about that one <laughs> up until then it was a pretty good call uh, that almost qualifies it as the bad that call right there well uh, it I've actually, if you ask me, I think the Brooklyn call is probably better of the two. But um. Props to the coach, the new coach, for recognizing who's on his team and what to do and be okay with it because he did what he was supposed to do as the head coach. Absolutely nothing. Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum are on the court. Don't call timeout. Let him go play. Let him go make a play to win the game. And every single player on the team touched the ball, and they won. Brilliant by now, doing nothing. You know who used to do that a lot, and I'm not even saying that these are the same or that Michael Jordan was anywhere near in his prime on that Celtics uh, floor yesterday. But Phil Jackson did that all the time, and it's the same reason. You've got the talent to do it, and Jason Tatum has been a beast all season long in this instance to me the main reason in addition to who you have the other team's terrible defensively don't uh, give him Kevin Durant was the worst on yeah, that just possession don't give him anything to, to work on don't let him put in a different five don't let him do anything to get it set just go at him and, and what ended up happening is Marcus Smart found a wide open Jason Tatum because Kyrie Irving with about four seconds left focused on Smart kind of got caught ball watching so Jason Tatum cut to the basket layup ball game awesome one of the few really awesome postseason games of the first game we'll have more from this game a little bit later this segment all right i got am i on yeah you're on okay I, it's just so quiet uh, i got the bat in this one look this is simple we haven't touched on this at all the last week this is really a topic from the last week that's carried over but the bad is these two prominent 
head college football coaches that just will not stop complaining about NILs and paying players and how it's bad for the game. Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban, shut up, please. Like, they talk about, like, they have some competitive disadvantage. They talk about, like, they're the coaches at Army. <laughs> they coach at Alabama and Clemson. You can outbid anyone you want for a player in college football. You have the boosters. You have the former players. It's ridiculous. But to act like college football needs to be torn down and rebuilt as its own entity, completely different than the way it is, it's just bad. It's sad. And frankly, I agree with uh, Peter Burns, I think it was. Nick Saban's going to win a national title this year, and he's going to retire. He is like the definition of old man get off my lawn right now. I think it's going to continue like throughout the entire year. Real? That's a, is that an irresistible, irresponsible hot no, take? No, I honestly, like the way they're talking and complaining about college football right now, I really feel like they don't want to be there anymore. Like they Now, Dabo is weird because I don't think he's going to make the NFL jump, but Nick Saban is talking to like someone who is old and tired of doing the recruiting, and now he's tired of adding the NIL stuff to his plate. He acts like he doesn't want to be there anymore. I mean, uh, enough with this NIL. Bill, please, Bill O'Brien, <laughs> get in my office. Will you please handle this NIL stuff? I know how you can just stay calm, not fly off the handle. I need an even, you know, not a heavy-handed guy. Can, can you handle this for me, Bill? Please, well, so I can take it off my plate. Probably doesn't trust Bill O'Brien to do much. Bill O'Brien and the rest of the staff hard at work during the spring game this past weekend. Uh, spring college football, one thing I don't care about. As much as I love the sport of college football, the fact that they televise spring college football games and like make a big deal out about them is something I guess I'll never understand. Did you watch it? But don't you understand no, why? No, I'm talking to this guy. People are watching, and sixty to 70,000 people are in the stadium. I know, but like they're like talking about Texas A&M and like, who's going to be the starting quarterback. After a spring game. The only thing of interest Why? from a and that I hope people are paying attention to because I've been telling about it for about five years since he was at Marshall. Is A-Chain going to win Heisman this year? He went 20.20 in the 200 meter. He's going to prove to be the fastest athlete in collegiate athletics. And he's their star running back who's not going to be by himself this year, but he's obviously going to be a bigger focus of the offense in the backfield with Spiller headed to the NFL. If I could take a wager on A-Chain, or was it B.J. Robinson from Texas to win the Heisman this year? B. John Robinson? B. John Robinson. Like, one of those two guys to win the Heisman, I would feel pretty confident. Like, those two versus the field, that's how good the running backs are at Texas A&M and Texas this year. But, uh, again, I know we have the ugly. Is it even possible <laughs> that Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud don't go 1-2 in the Heisman? Voting? No, it's not. It's, of course, Bryce Young's trying to go back-to-back. Back. Yep. He actually was, for those that care here in Houston, um, Katie Tompkins' product, Jalen Milrow, is probably going to be the backup this year in, at Bama. So he played for the white side. Bryce Young played for the crimson side during their spring game. They were very complimentary of the work he put in. Could end up seeing him this year if, as is usually the case for quarterbacks for teams that are awesome, they don't always play all four quarters. All right, the ugly is something that Wex alluded to if you were listening to the first hour when we were on with uh, with Blummer. We actually talked about it a little bit with him. Um, and I mentioned that it would have to do with the game that Wex was talking about during the good. It's the Boston-Brooklyn game and several subplots in a game that ended in that game winner and had uh, just some really fantastic, entertaining plays back and forth. Kyrie Irving 
entertaining for maybe all the wrong reasons. I don't know where you fall on this. I don't know how upset middle fingers get you. I mean, if you're a Stone Cold Steve Austin fan, you think they're cool. So I'm not going to say that people were getting offended by this necessarily, but I'm sure there were some that were in the building, and we know there's no love lost between him and that franchise, especially the way he departed and uh, what he's done since then. But, of course, he had some thoughts after the game about a number of things that happened in that one. You know, it's nothing new when I come into this building, what it's going to be like, but it's the same energy they have for me, and I'm going to have the same energy for them. And it's not every fan. I don't want to attack every fan, every Boston fan, but, um, you know, when people start yelling and all this stuff, it's but so much you can take uh, as a competitor. And, um, you know, we're the ones expected to be docile and be humble and take a humble approach. Nah, that's the playoffs. I mean, I'm not condoning what he did, but I understand where he's coming from, and here's why. He's going to get fined for that. He's going to get fined for the language in the press conference as much as he is for what he did on the floor, but probably more so what he did on the floor. NBA players are basically in a lose-lose situation. We want you to go out there. We want you to have everything said to you. This is what happened with Russell Westbrook in Utah a few years ago, and he got in trouble for it too. And it's, it's, it's not right for the players to lash out in the way that Russ did and the way that Kyrie did here and other places. Definitely wasn't great for my boy Vernon Maxwell to go into the, fan, into the stands and knock a sucker out for apparently making fun of his stillborn daughter, by the way. That's the point I'm making. And I don't know if that was ever confirmed. But these fans just have carte blanche to do whatever they want because they bought a ticket. And sometimes it gets really out of hand, like at the Malice at the Palace. And then Jermaine O'Neal has to take things into his hands, literally. But, like, there's got to be something that can be done. And here's where if Rob Manfred was the commissioner of the NBA, we'd be screwed because he'd have no ideas. Adam Silver has to do something to where there's a happy medium, there's a balance here that fans can't say and do whatever they want just because they are by far the closest of any of the three major sports. But also, the players can't, you know, just retaliate in any way shape or form can i be honest? i actually think but it was ugly i think there is a happy medium like i think Kyrie's pretty fair in like acknowledging like this is what fans do and i responded and isn't i mean how much money is Kyrie Irving going to make this year 30 million dollars a lot less than he was going to because he got a Come lot on, of that, fine, that fine's gonna be like 10 grand well it's no like, i'm talking about what he oh yeah, yeah with yeah. the covid but stuff. like the fine's gonna be like 10 Th- there's a maximum you can even find a player It'll for a season be, cumulatively yeah it's like for an incident oh okay it'll probably be fifty thousand. like this, yeah pat bev maybe got, 30 yeah pat bev got like 50k it's like you know what they they find these guys man it's like a dime compared to like you like us and them like they make so much money that when they get fined 50k, it's not a big deal. But you know, Wex, you and I were on the air together when we found out about Jeff Van Gundy getting a hundred grand fine for all he was doing was commenting on, "Hey, might want to officiate Yao Ming a little bit similarly than the way you're doing it, as opposed to other centers and players in the league." And he got a hundred grand for that. Yeah, it's the difference between being bad to fans and vice versa. And integrity of the game type stuff. Yeah. Kyrie Irving waving birds at fans all day, every day. It doesn't ruin the integrity of the game. True. In their minds. Nor does Jeff Van Gundy saying, come on, do your jobs. Which is really all he said. Um, I don't I don't understand what... And the way Kyrie describes it is pretty much on point. When do your expectations have to be met with a dose of reality? Your expectations for us... I mean, the person yelling at him very easily could be holding on to him could be tugging his shorts, could be tapping him on the shoulder. They are right on top of them in an NBA venue, and they're screaming all these things at him because 
he used to play basketball for their team, and now he plays basketball for another team. The reactions that players have, I mean, at some point, you just got to recognize it's it's going to happen. And if you find them, you find them. They're not going to probably curtail it until more of the fans curtail it. Barkley and his crew were on last night, and his numbers, are, as always, are off base, but his point is true. He said, like, 95% of the fans, they're fine. Mm-hmm. That's, there's NBA fans. They're what makes the sport great. They're who you play for. They're what make the atmosphere in the arenas are awesome. And 5% of them, I want to take them out back and beat them up. And some of them he did. So well, he threw one in particular through a plate glass window, and then Clyde had to bail him out of jail, and that was in the preseason. I mean, fans I need to have – I mean, unfortunately, they have to do the governing of themselves, and we know how that is going, especially with liquid courage. But they're the only ones that can really stop them. We shouldn't – and I mentioned it throughout the year. I don't have any issue with uh, LeBron, and I wish I could remember the others, but there was at least five players. Devin Booker was another who pointed out fans and said, get them out of here. They don't belong in here anymore. They're not a fan. They're here to do things that we don't want our fans doing. And they made the referees and the officials aware of it, and security said, leave. And they did. And if more people, I guess, get subjected to that treatment for their own behavior, maybe we'll see a change, or maybe we'll just get lucky and it won't happen very often. By the way. it can get uglier. If what Vernon Maxwell said is true, I mean, I'm fine with that, honestly. <laughs> Honestly, it probably could start a riot, as it would have in Detroit, but he was in Portland. I'm probably it's fine pretty with interesting. The palace, the palace as well. I'll tell you what, when, Vi- when Vernon went up there, for those that have seen the video, it is absolutely stunning that it created next to nothing. Uh, well, just, he yeah. went up about 10. At it, least. They, these were metal rows of seats. You'll see them usually where the arena meets the floor. End zone seats. So he had an opportunity right off the end of the Rockets bench to just walk up there, confront the fan face-to-face with some brief comment, and then he punched him. And then it was when players on his own bench realized where he had gone. They saw him walk away but didn't really pay it much mind. Until that happened, there wasn't a throng of fans. There wasn't a throng of security. There wasn't a reaction from the fan who was hit to the point that it created a scene. They literally, Rockets personnel and players, they went up there, they grabbed him, and they brought him back to the court, and then they walked him back to the tunnel. It could have been way worse. In fairness, as we go to break, I'm not going to mess with Vernon Maxwell. Hell no. You're going to your, uh, get your clock cleaned. Maybe we'll do that on Friday. Players you wouldn't want to fight in a draft. Oh, I'm winning that draft. I don't care what pick I've got. I'm winning that draft. We are halfway home outside of Minute Maid Park. That just means we're getting closer to the home opener. The Angels are inside waiting to get their baseballs murdered, as Adam Wexler said earlier on, and I agree with him. I'm looking forward to Jordan being back in the lineup. We'll tell you where he's batting, among other things, when we come back here on the A-Team Sports Talk 790. Houston, it's your home teams. Anytime, anywhere. We got love, your home team. Just tell your smart device. Play Sports Talk 790 on iHeartRadio. It is the A-Team here on Sports Talk 790 live from outside Minute Maid Park in the Lucky's pop-up section. You cannot miss it, literally. If you're driving by this place and you miss it, it's because your car is driving itself and you're sleeping. Or I, I don't really know any other scenario where you wouldn't be able to, to see where this is. It is the brand new parking lot where a few things used to be across the street from home plate entrance. And uh, we shall see what they do with it in the future. But for today, it's a giant party. And we're in the MVP, uh, VIP section, I should say. But there's lots of activities in and around this area that can uh, keep you going until 
that uh, first pitch just after 7 o'clock. Of course, there's a lot of festivities. I did confirm what I was very excited about because I nerd out for things like this, Wex. I just think opening day, or in this case, home opener baseball with a flyover and the roof open at a packed stadium is really, really cool. Yeah, flyovers are much, much cooler when the roof is open. And finally, <laughs> about two minutes ago, the Astros did it. confirm that the roof, which is open and has been open quite a bit actually this summer and or this spring before the Astros return home, yeah. will be open tonight. Uh, the lineup that the fans get to see out here tonight, Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Brantley's in left, Jordan Alvarez, Yuli, and Kyle Tucker. Jordan is your designated hitter. And I finally saw one out here, a Space City, Nike City Connect Astros, Jeremy Pena jersey, and it looks good. He's back in the lineup today playing short, series in center. And Martin, I have a hit this season. Maldonado is your catcher. It was a big hit. Yep, I can't ask that question anymore. I kind of thought that Friday when I asked it for the first time that it would be the last time. You called and it. In fact, it, it is. Well, there were three games to play. I figured he might get one, and he did, uh, putting one over the fence uh, during the Verlander start, and the Astros got themselves a victory. They've got the Angels here in town tonight for three day off on Thursday, and then three with the Toronto Blue Jays. So an opportunity for the Astros finally to enjoy Houston's team here in Houston at Minute Maid Park. Well, uh, and you mentioned it, Jordan batting cleanup tonight and his return to the lineup. Um, I hope, since you're doing predictions that come true, that what you said earlier, if you guys were listening, you not only said you thought the Astros would murder the baseball this week in their first stretch of home games, but that Jordan Alvarez specifically could potentially do that, and I would just love that because, I look, I don't think any of these guys deal with mind games, pressure on themselves, all that kind of stuff. I mean, Jeremy Pena might be the only guy that you would necessarily even concern yourself with that. And I just say that because they've performed so clutch for so long over such an extended period of time, both within seasons and then over the course of the last few seasons, that I don't worry about that kind of thing. But I will say this about Jeremy Pena since you brought him up. He just doesn't – he looks – and I think Correa was the same way. And I just bring that up because it's the natural comparison. They, he just seems wise beyond his years the way he carries himself out there, let alone what he's doing on the field. And I know it's a small sample size, and I know he's going to have his struggles. And uh, players of, of you know several veteran seasons versus very young players have struggles at times. But I just think that he is – he is definitely in a, a nice place to start the season, and he hasn't even played a home game yet, and that's a good thing for this Astros lineup, which, by the way, people are doing it. Right now, Jeremy Pena is having a better season than Carlos Correa, but come on. Yeah, people are doing it. I won't do it. We're not doing it. Uh, the fans will, will be loud uh, when Jeremy Pena gets introduced tonight as they uh, go through some of the pregame ceremonies. And the reason why you're able to say all that about Pena is because that's what stars are. That's yeah. what they are. He's a Major League Baseball player. And the Astros uh, organization recognized that probably pretty early on during his time. I'm sure they knew it during 2020 when there were no games, and I'm sure, I'm sure they knew it during 2021 when he barely played any games due to injury. They definitely knew it when he tore the cover off the ball when he was part of the Skeeters for about a month at the end of last year. And obviously it really didn't seem like there was a competition, nor should there have been, for the starting shortstop job. Uh, he didn't do anything to give the team or the manager or the bench coaches, or the infield coaches, 
any reason for pause. He needed to be out there every day, and he's so far proven that to be uh, the decision that was the wise one. Hopefully he's got 140, 150 games in him this season because he certainly gives them a Major League Baseball player that's replacing a Major League Baseball player. That's what you want. You don't just want to guess. And I think they knew they weren't really guessing uh, with Jeremy Pena. All right, we are wrapping up the 4 o'clock hour. Coming up next, still another hour after that as we get you ready for all the festivities inside. We are outside Minute Maid Park, home opener, Astros and Angels tonight in Minute Maid. First time all season the fans are going to get to see the Astros in their home ballpark. I want to tell you guys right now, uh, maybe you're getting here in a vehicle that you're kind of down, you're done with. Let's face it. You're, you've been thinking about pulling the trigger for a while. You're going to do it and you have decided that you're going to be smart about it because you're going to go to Classic Chevy in Sugarland or Classic Chevy Highway 6. That's the place to go. And there's no other place that I could send you where I would feel better about your prospects of not only getting into a new vehicle or pre-owned, if that's the route you're going, but the customer service you're going to get is going to be top-notch. And I don't mean just like I'm just saying that. I mean the best in the biz. That's why they're the GM dealer of the year 11 years in a row. Jeff and Tiffany Sebastian just know what they're doing. And they're going to do it for you like they've done for literally thousands of customers every single year. That's why they get that hardware every single year. And they continue to get it. Anytime you're told you're the best at doing something for over a decade straight, you're doing things the right way. And that's why they're letting you guys know that they've got more inventory than anyone else at Classic Chevy in Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6. They also have 0% interest on all new 2022 models. And when you purchase a new vehicle from them, you're getting a lifetime engine guarantee, you're getting a lifetime of car washes, and you're getting two years of free maintenance. Tell them the A-Team from Sports Talk 790 sent you in to Classic Chevy in Sugarland and Classic Chevy Highway 6. Back to Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler. The A-Team on Sports Talk 790. Where Rockets and Astros play and real Texans talk. Live out here, just outside Minute Maid Park. The A-Team here with you till 6 o'clock. We'll get you into Astros pregame coverage after that in the ball game and first pitch at 7-10 this evening. Robert Ford and Steve Sparks have that for you. Again, we're here at the Lucky's Pop-Up Party and all along Texas Avenues where we are right outside the team store where see a lot of people on their way in and out, and that means a lot of them got their hands on the Space City Connect jerseys just down along the ballpark, along the uh, entrance there at Home Plate. You pop around the corner, and that's where you have Street Fest uh, with all sorts of fan uh, interactions and active games and Really good Instagram picture-taking as well. But uh, as has been the case the last several seasons, Astros Street Fest uh, taking place in advance of the ball game. Got opened at uh, a little while ago at 4 o'clock, so you still have plenty of time for those of you with tickets to the game tonight to make your way on over to Street Fest, out over by yeah, Union Station, and then make your way on into the ballpark. Remember, hoping to have fans in their seats by 6.30 because of uh, when the Astros keep winning American League championships so they got to keep having ceremonies in advance of the first home game of the season so that will take place then i'm hopeful at least one of the astros will tick off the fans from around major league baseball nation and say they're running out of fingers to put all their american league championship rings on because they're getting another one tonight inside the yard and for those of you who have tickets again make your way on inside a touch early at 6 30 you'll be able to see all that goes on in there and the introduction of the ball club having a good time out here as well getting you ready uh for the opener at home for the astros definitely feels wrong even though many do calling it opening day 
it's, it's the home open. You know, the hashtag still works. Hashtag does work, and if you are inside the ballpark, you will see right there behind home plate, as was the case with all of the ballparks, it says opening day right there. I get it. Uh, I understand it. The Astros will now have their third opening day because they did it in Seattle. They obviously did it in uh, Anaheim, and they will do it here uh, tonight to kick off the season. I just Is it bad that I get almost as much satisfaction about what you talked about as I do just watching the Astros win and doing what they've done? I love how mad that makes other guys because it makes them realize that their narrative with each passing game really – was never a narrative to begin with it's slipping away it's just not it's just not grounded in truth like they're that good and i i i have to make myself all the time you know just realize that we're this isn't normal that it's not always going to be like this that what preceded it is what was the is what gave the astros the ability to build this juggernaut this monster that they are and uh just enjoy it because i mean over the weekend i was getting frustrated watching the game i'm like yeah well they're going to be fine. There's not a lot of teams that can say that with that much confidence. They have a weekend like the Astros did where just things aren't going well offensively, and two of those cases the pitching has some snafus. Eh, they'll be fine. They're the Astros. A lot, of, well, but a like lot of teams can't say that. Well, it's like an expectation of excellence. Correct. It's If you're a Patriots fan, if you're an Astros fan, if you're a... If you're a Patriots fan when Brady's there. Yeah, touche. I mean, um, I know I love Bill Belichick just as much as the next guy, but yeah. let me know when he wins with Not Brady. as much as Bill does. Well, let me know. The, I mean, they made the playoffs this year. With um, with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I mean, like. Wow. They expect <laughs> to do well. That's Same thing. Awesome. Like, if you're the Astros, you expect your team to be good for 162 games. It's unrealistic. It's not what actually happens. But, like, it's what you want to see on a day-in and day-out basis. I and thought so, you, like, you, you weren't supposed to. Like, I know uh, on occasion I'll say, yeah, 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 but. Bill O'Brien's team made the postseason and won the division, and my, I think my head gets c- completely chewed off for that. Yeah. And now you're trying to no, tell no, me no, 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 Bill no, no, Belichick's no. team made the playoffs. He well, made nobody's the playoffs with con- the rookie quarterback. Nobody's confusing wow. those two head coaches, though. That, I mean, nobody ever thought the, the right. Texans so Bill were gonna... Belichick making no, the playoffs okay. is like the biggest nothing of ever. Bill right? Belichick makes the playoffs. Mac Jones, Deshaun Watson, Bill O'Brien fired four and twelve. Yeah, That's comparing the two is obviously total nonsense. Patriots South. Seriously, Bill Belichick last year could have made the playoffs with any of the first six rookie quarterbacks drafted. That's yeah, fair. because the other, the other five fair. were better. Or would be better well, in New England. I don't know if there's five that were better than Mac Jones. They would be better than they would be better than Mac Jones but, but in New England. That's the difference between Brady and the other guys. Belichick probably could have made the playoffs a bunch with Matt Castle and Joe, Bledsoe. Yeah. Joe Armslinger. No, for but sure. he wouldn't win the next game, the next game, yes. and the Super Bowl. Correct. And that's the and difference that's the between difference Belichick between him and, and O'Brien. every other coach in yeah. America. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, like, if you have Tom Brady, you're going to win. I mean, like, how often do you have the best quarterback in the NFL year after year? Who, hey, by the way, win, unless you're the Packers or the Colts. Who made that call? I saw his draft card over the weekend again. It, it came up on my timeline for some reason. Who actually drafted him? Was that wasn't Belichick, was no, it? No, because I feel like that's pre-Belichick. Like, Tom. Tom Brady. Oh, at one at uh, one ninety-nine. I don't know who round. the GM was then. It was he still had control of that, and he was a compensatory really? pick. He was a compensatory pick. Well, it's just that's yeah, because that's they like, added a pick. 
I know, but isn't it, it luck? If more than anything, I mean, like yeah, this guy, he yeah. got beat out by Drew, Drew Henson. Yes, I cannot stand for that nonsense. Former Texas. Why? That's total or, B and another letter in why the alphabet. Why is Former that's, Cowboys quarterback Drew Henson. That's what. That's was, like right? saying Major Applewhite got beat out by Chris Sims. That's total hogwash. Well, what, Tom got hurt. No, no, the he dumb was coach there. just said, "Oh my God, we got this great recruit. Well, Let's because just play of donors, him." Because of donors. It's so stupid. It's just not what happened. He didn't earn it. He didn't outplay him. He just was on the team, so they figured, let's just put him out there. Like, this whole idea that Tom Brady was a bad college quarterback is a joke. It's silliness. It's absurd, if you will. Yeah, I, w I, would, uh, I would have to agree with that. That's, uh, and we're having a little technical snafu, so we will uh, we'll take a little bit of an early break. Yeah, you don't hear melting that? Melting down here. I hear it. Oh, okay, just making sure. Um, we'll step aside. We'll get it figured out, and we will start the 5 o'clock oh, hour off strong. Yeah, there it is. Oh, I figured it out. Well, now we can stay for another minute if you'd like. I think I figured it out. Okay. You figured out what the what's the cause of it? Yeah, I rotated one thing to the left, and it was fixed. I just thought it was baking in the sun. I no, that had something that's to do my with it. neck and Gordy's neck right now. They're you guys are rookies in this racket. Red. Well, at some point, and with an hour left to sh in the show, the NFL draft is, for the first time, next week. Ten days away. It is next week, and I sent a tweet out this weekend, which I think will be true for another eight days. I really think the Texans are going to take insert name here, and I'll have a different name every day this week. Yes, every I day until the draft. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's kind of fun. No, I do think that's. I think a they good have a lot aspect. of good options. I, it's fun when you know who they're going to take, but it's equally fun knowing that we don't know who they're going to take, and it's also fun that the other thirty-one teams don't know either. And they might be trying to get that pick. I read some a, of them. I read a story this weekend that like said if you ask ten GMs, none of them have the same first, second, and third pick because like no you one. You read knows Peter King's be. article, didn't you? Is that Peter King? Yeah. I couldn't remember who. Peter King, Mike Florio, all these old white dudes look the same and sound the same. So, like, I don't know which one it was. Oh. Well, that's on brand. Did you watch Winning Time this weekend or something? No, I still, I'm like Ross. I, I got all caught up. I had, to, I had to catch two of them this morning. I'm, I watched I'm zero far episodes. behind now. He's, he's about to really, really make it happen with Cookie. Which time? No, I mean, like, you're my girl. This is it. Well, that doesn't mean anything's going to stop that he was doing before. No, I don't mean that at oh, all, of okay. course. I mean, you just mean that she's the yeah. actual legal one. Right, right. right. All right. Uh, 5 o'clock hour is coming up next here on the A-Team Sports Talk 790. We're getting you ready for the Astros home opener here on your home for Astros Baseball Sports Talk 790. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler are the A-Team. A-Team. Five o'clock hour here on. There we go. It's five o'clock football. Professional football in America is a special game. Before we jump back into things here, I gotta mention one thing for the uh, the duo that was on before us, or trio. Uh, yes, the bell works, and yes, it does ring. Matt and Ross were unaware of whether or not it was still in operation. Do you hear it? Yes. I tried to gesture at Ross. Wait, why isn't your mic on? Turn your mic on. It, it's not relevant oh, whether or not it on. actually works or it's really. I mean, it's just ringing. Do you hear it? Yeah. Boom, but, it works. No, but it's no, 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 yes, no. Yes, no, now no. you're siding with them. No, that's just like saying we a microphone we were here with them earlier. Well, yeah, I've been here since 10.05. 
But like, and it didn't chime until just now at five o'clock. Yeah, they just started like turning it on for no reason. Well, it's closing people business. are here. Yeah, it's closing business for everything else well, that the doesn't happy matter. Happy hour, Joe. And now it's time happy for stuff hour that does eleven o'clock. Well, for you. It is football at five here. It is the A team as we continue outside Minute Maid Park. We're an hour into Street Fest, which is uh, just down the street outside uh, Minute Maid Park. Same location. It's been in uh, for several years outside Union Station. A lot of activities for the fans out there. For those with tickets, that gets you into Street Fest. And then on your way inside the ball game, fans out here at the Lucky's Pop-Up can make their way inside just by using their feet and walking in and enjoying everything we have to offer out here. But I mentioned the draft is now really, truly upon us. There's just a handful of visits still taking place in the last three days. Really the last semi-important pseudo-pro day took place with Drake London uh, getting in front of about half of the league's teams, though he did not run a 40. He's also recovering from an injury, so it's completely understandable why he has both pushed it back uh, a couple of times and then obviously not wanted to run then. Uh, he's definitely going to be one of the top receivers taken. I do think the Texans will be drafting a receiver. And Joe mentioned the Peter King article this morning. And I think it's, if you didn't already know this, and if you're listening to us, you probably understood and probably had a pretty good idea of what was taking place. The Texans are in a remarkably strong position for this particular draft for a number of reasons. It's obviously great that they have the third pick and the 13th pick and do with as they please. But they also have 11 overall selections. The five future Pro Bowlers from the 2011 draft, they're not in this draft. There might be one, there might be two, there might be five, but we don't really look at this class like that. But we also do look at this class in this way. Once you get past a certain number, five, 10, somewhere in that neighborhood, maybe 15, you're gonna run a very long run through the 20s, through the 30s, through the 40s, through the 50s, all the way through the second round and into those middle rounds where you're gonna find players that are going to be Pro Bowl caliber players. The 47th player drafted is going to outplay the guy that went at 31. The guy that went at 35 is going to outplay the guy that went at 21. That's how much depth I think there is. And that means the Texans, who not only have 3 and 13, but are sitting on those multiple picks as you make your way through those top 108, they still have 37 and 68 and 80 and 107 and 108. It's so much more than just... Are they drafting Evan Neal and Daryl Stingley, and then we can call it a day? Those players are great. And whichever two they take at 3-13, and 13, if they stay there, will be great. But it's so much more than that. Okay, I said uh, three players into their second year of their contract would be the goal. Is that fair? Totally fair. Four-year deal for every player drafted outside of the first round. Four years, just like Justin Reed, he hit free agency, they decided not to re-up with him. Many years ago, Kareem Jackson, you re-up with him. These are, you know, those, those are the kind of things you're looking at. How many of those players you're drafting outside of that first round? John Grenard's going to be there soon. They'll probably re-up with him. Ross Blacklock will be there in two years. Jury's definitely still out on that If about a re-sign. You could still re-sign him but it wouldn't be for very much money because he really hasn't done anything in his first two seasons. But I think that's a totally reasonable number. Those first-round picks, it's a four-year deal with an option for a fifth year. If you're not picking up the option on that fifth year and the deadline on those picks from 2013 is on May 2nd, the week that comes right after the draft, Titus Howard is in that group of players. We saw Noah Fant be the first of those players to have that fifth-year option picked up. Three would be great. If it's anything above three, It'd be hard not to look at this draft as a big, fat success. But that's also five years from now. Well, that's what's tough about a rebuild. Like We talk about this all the time with the Rockets is 
the immediate return versus the long-term return are very different things. Very different and like, in those two leagues. It's just so tough. <laughs> is that like Jalen Green's going to come out, he's going to score 30, 30, 30, 30, and then 41 in his last game of the season. And Evan Neal, you're going to be like... But he's not going to be a finalist for Rookie of the Year. No, yeah. that's because Bill Simmons is an idiot. Well, see, I, I figured we'd get there. I, I, I'm going to try to wait till we're outside football at 5, but I hope nobody was surprised by that, and I wished people weren't blaming Bill Simmons because that's silly. No, it's not. I will say I'm surprised, even though I listen to his podcast. It feels like they're changing the standards because I saw I listened to Rosillo say he got a vote this year. So it's clearly not just beat writers anymore. Changing the standards. No, I look at – I will. Ha- unfortunately, they will start announcing them in about a month. And they don't announce the votes until after all of the awards have been handed out. And that but is once the day they you are, get butt hurt. Then, then you'll see who did what and who voted for whom and, and how things happened. It's totally realistic Jalen Green doesn't end up making first-team All-NBA. It's obvious he did not uh, earn enough votes All-NBA rookie team, that he did not get enough votes to finish in the top three for Rookie of the Year because they made that announcement over the weekend. They gave out the finalists, which are all based on the vote totals. The votes have already been handed in and tabulated. He did not finish in the top three for Rookie of the Year. It is a different vote, oddly enough, for All-Rookie Team, um, different group of people, but it, it would it would be a mild surprise. It would be wrong, but it would only be a mild surprise to me if he didn't end up make all first-team All-Rookie. But, oh. but, but with the Texans, it's like you look at the draft and like well, these guys, like, this way. they're if not the going to the same. If the Texans draft Jalen Green with the third pick in this year's draft, what does that mean? It's Jamison Williams, and he's scoring 10 touchdowns this year? And does that mean the Texans are anything better than 4-13? and 13? No, no, exactly. Just but, they like a, that. but they hit a home run on their pick. And it's going to take, in the NBA, it takes two more. In the NFL, it takes eight more. Yeah. And that's where, the, well, but, but you have not all picks. in the first round, but that's clearly. The thing. In the NBA, you have one pick. In the NFL, you have six, yeah. maybe more. And the, the Texans have that many this year. Two in the first, two in the second. Uh, one in the third, two more at the very, very top of the fourth. Those picks can all help turn your team around. Have the pick after Jalen Green, I mean, it's a miracle the Rockets had three other firsts. Right. But probably none of them are turn your team around. They're parts of your team. Yes. They're your eighth best defensive player. They're your third best lineman. I mean, what's the cop? What's the cop for uh, for Alperin Shingun if he hits his absolute ceiling? Well, the comp is you know. A very, a player very, in mind? very, very poor man's. He's on the street begging for change, Nikola Jokic. Yes, yeah, he between plays like, like that. Like He's clearly like, uh, not going to be that, but I he just plays think, like that. Yeah, I give like build t- is between, so between Taj, Gibson, and Jokic. Taj Gibson? You can't like run a, your offense through Taj like, Gibson. Like a mix. Like like somewhere like in between that is, is like this what where your is. Chicago is showing? I love Taj Gibson. No, I, I get that, oh but I, don't tell me. Are you Tibbs' kid? I wish I was Tibbs kid. I'd be a lot richer. Nobody loves Taj Gibson like Tibbs. Yeah, because he's been on his team like five times. Exactly. He must be, getting, he must be good at getting yelled no, at. No, and don't take me take me comparing him to Jokic, but you when you're Denver, and it's a little different because both Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray are not there, so they're running even more of their offense through him. But tell me over those last eight games of the season, when basically the offense was all green, all Porter, and all Shangoon, they were just giving them ball, the ball either in the post or in the high post, and they were they were running the offense through him. A little bit different than how they do it in Denver with Jokic, but the skills will be developed where I think that is truly an option for them. That's that's the very, very, very high end. Jokic, by the way, would be my choice for MVP this year. Same. Not Embiid. Not Embiid. Embiid second? Yep. Uh, are Giannis you moving third. off? 
Are you moving off your 30%, I think is what it was last week, that they trade that pick, the Texans, number three? Uh, it's probably even lower. Really? Like probably 20. 50. Wasn't it? No, no, wasn't I, it? No, was it flipped, right? Wasn't it like 5%, think, 3, 30%, 13%? Yeah. 30% maybe oh, that's or right. higher that yeah, they trade. Right. 13, I think, could be desirable if, say, there's a team that wants a receiver and they're at 16. And all of a sudden, the run on receivers wow. happens at 8, 10, 11, 12. And you're looking at the Texans. You're like, well, I've got to go get London or Alave or Williams because they're all coming off the board. I can't wait for Dotson or whomever you feel. Like, I actually think Dotson would be awesome for the Texans at 37. And Mechie. Probably, but I'm not I, sure. I don't show love, more where. I no. feel more confident about the where. See, and I would be totally fine if the Texans said, with the 13th pick of the draft, we draft Jameson Williams, but I think he'll be gone already. You think Met- You think Williams will be gone by 13? I do. So that's what? Is that two receivers in the top 13 or three? Because I would be shocked. It would not surprise me at all if he's the first wide receiver draft. See, I w- he's the best really? wide receiver in the draft. He's at 13. Why. He's the best wide receiver in the draft, but for some reason, Jets people take him look at, at him. I totally agree. They could take him at four, and I wouldn't have a problem with it. Honest, and I'm being honest. People look at Jamison Williams, and they say, this is the best wide receiver in the draft, but he tore his ACL. Seriously? Is yeah, this 1995? So exactly. Well, okay, but is it is it too basic, to, to steal a term, to think that if the Texans draft, say, an offensive lineman, whatever, an offensive player, with that number three pick, which, by the way, if it, if it is that high and it's an offensive player, I would think it has more. It's going to be much more likely to be an offensive lineman, not a wide receiver. For sure. And to say to yourself, well, at 13, we need to take somebody on the other side of the ball. Because I'll the other side that. of the ball is also very much in need of talent. Yes. Or, or is it just best no, player a bit yeah, available? Yes, but honestly, I wouldn't have a problem if it's a split, whether it's defense or offense first. And I would not have a problem if we walk out and of Thursday night and we're live at Carbach for our draft coverage, that the Texans took two offensive players or two defensive players. Yeah, if you take Thibodeau at like, three and care. Stingley at 13, that'd be great. If you take Sauce Gardner at three and uh, the kid from Florida State at 13, that'd be awesome. You could take Thibodeau at three and Jordan Davis at 13 and just boost your defensive line. Just take and the I'm best available player. Awesome. That's the way I would answer your question. And yeah. I know we don't care, but both New York teams... I think are going to sit on their hands, do nothing, hold their picks, and come out smelling like roses. They both have two picks in the top ten, and I think they're just going to sit back, see what the other teams do. Won't be, won't care at all who's there because it's going to be a star, and they're going to end up with two of the ten best, just like the draft says they will, two of the test ben, ten best players available in the draft. And it's going to be fantastic for their rebuilds. I think if the Jets don't, if the Texans don't take Sauce Gardner. I think it's going to be Sauce Gardner at four and Kyle Hamilton at ten for the Jets. I think Kyle Hamilton might still be on the board at thirteen. You think so? Yep. Awesome. I, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> he's a be- he might be the best player in the draft. I th- but he's a I, safety. I know most of Texans history. I think he would immediately become the greatest Golden Domer in Texans history. Well, who We've else had a attention? few? Not many. Like that's why I think I can't think of anybody well, that jumps Knicks? out. That's really sad, but he did play for the Texans. Well, yeah, I mean, yes, but like he was supposed to be a good player. Yeah, Glenn Earl. They, they don't have many. It's pretty easy to get to the top of the list. Yeah, he'll be at the top. <laughs> All right, uh, in case you missed it, coming up next, as we are still live outside Minute Maid Park, I mean right outside, like right across the street from the home plate entrance, the lucky pop-up here uh, taking you up until 6 o'clock. 
the A-Team. Adam Clanton and Adam Wexler. The afternoon team covering your team. Drives this deep to left center field. This is Sports Talk 790. Home of Astros baseball. Join things on Astros home opener day. Nine games in, five and four record for the Stros. Wex Clint, Joe George here with you. Josh back at the ranch as we are enjoying things out here at Lucky's Pop Up. You can join us out here. I'd say there's about five thousand Astros jerseys out here. And pretty good. One Mike Trout jersey. I see it. Congrats to Mike for making it out here. Not in the lineup tonight. In case you missed it. Also, Street Fest is ongoing for those of you with tickets to the ball game. That grants you access to the Astros' annual Street Fest right there along uh, the ball cl- ball park, um, right there by Union Station, on into the uh, backside where Bagwell and Biggio are trying to turn two. For those familiar with the statues, that's where Fan Fest always takes place. Uh. So you can definitely enjoy that. Uh, as you get ready for the ball game, but it is time for In Case You Missed It. Yes, if you remember once upon a time, Deshaun Watson was drafted by the Houston Texans. But to do that, they had to trade a first-round pick to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, they did. And they and who did the Browns draft? Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward just got a five-year, $100 million contract extension. I think it's $76 million, $73 Wait, million. Wait, the Denzel guaranteed. Ward that got traded to the Texans in the Deshaun yeah, Watson deal? Did, nope, nope, nope. Did oh, not I'm happen. I'm sure they're getting players in this did, deal, nope, right? Nope, did not happen. Uh, so Denzel Ward gets an awesome – look, he's one of the best cornerbacks totally in the it. NFL. This is a great deal for them. And it, honestly, and they're doing – and I know, like, everyone, when they talk about Deshaun Watson right now, they say the Cleveland Browns gave him X amount of money, $45, $44 million, whatever it is, uh, up front, a signing bonus and a $1 million contract. Here's the thing. They're doing the same thing with Denzel Ward. They are giving him a fat contract, and they are making most of it for this upcoming year a signing bonus and lowering their salary cap at the same time. This is an awesome deal for them. Um, and where is Deshaun play again? Oh, Cleveland. Oh, okay. And they uh, oh also they drafted Nick Chubb with a pick they got from the Texans. So what do the Texans get out of all this? Uh, uh, the 13th pick in the draft. Okay. And, and they'll definitely. And a pick next year, and a pick yes. next year, and a pick in the middle rounds, and but a pick in the middle rounds the year after that. But they always hit on their picks. Yeah, but you know what? I still there is no the always because this GM is not part of the always. I mean, like, and here. honestly, like, I'll ask you this question, Adam Clayton, because this question is designed for you. Okay. Would you rather your, your team that you root for or have to root for in your case <laughs> be named after your state and uh-huh. be a Texan uh-huh. or be named after what's to our right and inside the porta potty? A color. That's brown. An emoji? Wow. Good point. Would you rather be a brown or a Texan? I mean, at least the Browns have history of. No, they don't. Well, that, was that, a, text, that history went to Baltimore. That was two first-round picks. But not the though, main. And that Watson That's true. deal, right? Yes. What's that? So the other first-round pick was Jabril Peppers. He's still in the NFL. But not with the Browns and not very good. He's all right. He's just all right. He's with the Giants. With the Giants, exactly. All right, so Denzel Ward gets paid. All right, so we know <laughs> that uh, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill traded. Uh, this offseason. Seriously, did you see the pictures of Packers offseason workouts hey, beginning Sammy today? Hey, Watkins. They're in. It looked like it was snowing. Yes, it is snowing. It is snowing. No, it's snowing in Illinois and Wisconsin. That's ridiculous. Welcome to the. It's not fun there. 
No, uh, that's no. why I live here and I love the great state of Texas because Illinois sucks. I'm convinced that like 90% of the reason you have adopted and loved Texas so much is that you don't have to shovel your way out the door this time of year. Yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah. In case party. you missed it, two more baseball games got postponed today. Oh, so there's five after today? the original two three, total. two total. I thought it was three total. Oh, three total. Excuse me. Um, okay, so uh, after all these big contracts were signed. Sealed and delivered. Uh -huh. Reportedly, now this is the non-mandatory training camp, so it's not the end of the world. But reported by ESPN that Debo Samuel, Scary Terry McLaurin, and AJ Brown will all hold out of the non-mandatory training camp period because they all want themselves some fat paychecks, like Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. They will all get them, or will all they get traded? I think Debo all might get traded. All three of them will get their deals. And be awesome this year. I think Debo's going to get traded. I don't think so. I think Brandon Ayuk. I think what they have there, they got some weapons. Look, I know, I know. Totally Lex, disagree. I know. I think Debo's going to be the one guy. Think about what their offense is. How many ways no, can we get Debo see, the ball? But see, I think Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell next year they can fix a lot of that. I, it wasn't because the other guys were bad. Mitchell was awesome. It's because I don't. Why shouldn't I give Debo the ball? He's awesome. Yeah, he's a freak show. Um, I think he'll get his deal. And he's, I, I think all these players, just the way things work, the way this offseason worked with how much money was handed out, this is the play. They absolutely should be trying to strong arm these teams into getting the pay. Look at Tennessee. Look at how much money they're spending on their offense. I know. And A.J. Brown is getting a tiny, tiny piece of it. And he's like maybe, I mean, he's the second most important piece, but I don't think he's that far behind Derrick Henry. Uh, Luka Doncic, likely to miss game two. So Dallas is up one game to none in the series. They won their first game without Luka, obviously, because they're really, really good without him. Oh, wait, no, they nope, lost. None of that right? happened. None oh, of right. that happened, actually. So they're going to be down two games to none. And then they're going to Utah? Yeah. A great place to play in the postseason. Really easy to win there. He is, to his uh, detriment, one of the few players on a top-four seed that's by himself. I, Dinwiddie's a nice player. Finney Smith, he's got a bunch of nice players with him. Jalen Brunson, nice player. Every other team has multiple stars. Again, get him to Houston. They don't. They're get never going to win until that changes, and they're obviously going to lose even more dramatically if he's on the sidelines, which he is. Uh, Jalen Brunson, future Rocket? No, no, no. no. Luka Doncic, future Rocket. What's wrong with Jalen Brunson? What are you going to do with him? Oh, he would be you, perfect. Do you want him to watch Kevin Porter play? Uh, if, I mean, look, KPJ is a nice piece and all, but if you're going to move on, which I think is totally reasonable that they might move on from KPJ. Just not this year. Jalen Brunson, well, that's probably the free agent, would be the to perfect me, fit. Next he is to the offensive equivalent of Jay Shante. Okay. Like, he scores pretty, pretty well yeah. and does nothing else. Yeah, that's fair. Like, he's not terrible defensively, but he's not great. He's a pretty good distributor. I'm honestly, that's I'm just, true. I'm just biased. I'm not Jaylen short Brunson. on him. I watched Jalen Brunson in high school as a junior score like 56 points. I think score against there was uh, Jaleel Okafor who then went on to Duke. He was a junior. They lost that game. Uh, Jalen Brunson's high school did, but man, he was awesome. You know who's re he, he, he who's so good really good against too. the Rockets' current defense? Yeah, he well, loves playing them. Well, the Rockets' current defense isn't very good. They suck. It's um, a good point that's defensively. Real, again, the point of that, in case you missed it, was. The Mavericks played all year and played well enough to get themselves home court advantage for the playoffs. And then they stupidly played Luka in game 82 deep into the game, and he got hurt. You know what's so funny, though? It's because it's like Adam Silver. It's like he's doing the Dan Patrick show. He's doing all this media stuff. He's talking about resting players, the good, the bad, all with it. And, like, you're seeing why... Like, any argument against it is almost lost well, look at because of Luka. Just this week, the season ended on Sunday. One week ago, eight days. 
Luca got hurt on Sunday. Capella got hurt. Um, Scotty Barnes got hurt in game one for the yeah. Raptors, and he's probably out for the rest of the series, but they haven't been definitive on that. He talked to the media today in his walking boot. That didn't seem like a good thing. That's spot. never a no, good thing. Ask Ben Roethlisberger. It's a bad idea. And he, had a, he, he sprained his ankle. His ankle was twisted to the side, and then Joel Embiid stepped on it. Other than that, though, just a, ru a, run a regular run of the mill By injury. the way, the Sixers are going to crush them, and they would have anyway. That's yeah, I was wrong on that series. one. I was wrong yeah, We'll see. On Game that. two could change, but I don't expect it. Mm -hmm. I, I will say, even though it was a one-point win, I know we were talking about in the good, bad, and the ugly, I feel very good about my Golden State-Boston NBA championship totally. pick. I mean, Boston and Brooklyn is a first-round series oh. with potential champions because this is the worst Brooklyn team. If Ben yeah. Simmons comes back... Just so people remind, know this, he's all defense, all NBA, all defense. He's been on an all NBA first team for as much as everybody thinks he sucks. He's just he just doesn't. He would make them so much more capable, even if he brings nothing offensively. I, the only concern is, how do you play him late? Because they're gonna foul him. And yes, he can't I wish that Marcus Smart and Danny Ainge, which isn't as much. We're never associated with that franchise and make them much easier to root for. But well, Danny Ainge is gone. I know. And That's the what difference I'm saying. is in Philly last you don't like year. Marcus Smart? No. Oh, that goes back to no, 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 no. I don't see, like him either. He, no, nobody see, likes Marcus but, Smart except for Boston fans. But you know what? He's Pat he's, Bev. Exactly. If Marcus Smart was traded here tomorrow, he'd be one of your favorite Rockets. Guys would be losing a lot of games. He in, wouldn't make him win anymore. At the end of the game yesterday, Pat Bev, Joe if Mark, I'll tell you this way: Look, Marcus Smart isn't even close to Pat Bev in my mind. If Marcus Smart, Pat Bev is way out there. Tell, yeah. tell me if you agree with this, especially you. If Marcus Smart. Take out Trevor Ariza, park, put Marcus Smart in in 2018. The Rockets beat the Warriors even if uh, Chris Paul gets hurt. Can I and take, I'm not saying because he's hitting threes, obviously. Can I take the person over there in the blue Astros jersey who might make a three? That'd be the same thing. Because Trevor Ariza eh, sucked. Like Trevor Ariza wasn't. You make one three out of 27. I know. Maybe two. Maybe two, and you win. Yeah. But, but he wasn't even as good defensively at that point. All and right, that was what he could hang his hat on. Yeah. Uh, last two things I got here. It, it appears... The what we thought was coming for a long time is officially going to happen. Uh, Sunday ticket is going to leave Direct TV. It You've is going to be this. an Apple product, which I think is great. Uh, Apple, obviously, with what we've seen with you know Katie Nolan and Major League Baseball, not and that great. quality broadcast, not great. Uh, clearly, she had another all game in. this weekend. But I, none of us watched. Didn't it. see it. Won't yeah. watch it. Don't care. Uh, they're going to partner up finally. Hey, son. It looks like it's going to happen very soon. Hey, then, Dad just said hello. Are you going to say hi back to your dad? Hi, Brian. Are you coming in here or what? All right, good. And then uh, lastly can I, here. Can I get one last no, thing? Mine's more important. Okay. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Oh, you're so excited about in this. In a golf match. I can't wait. It's well, going to be awesome. That's the only way that yeah, they would all be can facing you, can each other. Can you lay your odds on this? There will be real odds. I want your odds. My odds? Yes. All right. It's well, the oldies versus the, the youngies. It's <laughs> Rodgers and Brady, yes. who've been yeah. quarterbacking and golfing for a long time. And making a lot of money. Rodgers is a regular in the Tahoe Celebrity Invitational. Yes. Josh Allen is on his way to becoming there. Mahomes played in it last year also. He did. Look, at some point you have to say, what makes more sense? Is it the old man game or the young man game? I'm taking the old man game. I'm going to take Rodgers and Brady a minus 130. It's a close right, matchup. Now set new, minus 130. Set new odds. Oh, God. On TMZ <laughs> Sports this weekend, it was so important. They put up there that Josh Allen and his exceptionally hot girlfriend went to a yes. restaurant. 
Yeah. So that's her. Wait, he has a hot girlfriend. He's yes. a quarterback in the NFL. Brittany Mahomes. That never happens. Giselle Brady Bunchen. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who. Oh, uh, it's Shayna Woodley or whatever. Her name you think is. they're really together? Yeah, she was giggling in the back of the interview with Pat McAfee. That was a month ago. We haven't seen her since. Yeah, Haven't so, they accidentally? Uh, no, she's. They're definitely getting back together. I have to go get. He Brian thinks Lilima. they never even. Yeah, go get Lilima. Broke up. I need to see. I need to hug that guy. My last thing, which Joe will be not be a part of, is are Joe's you coming pro to get you? or anti? We talk about gloves at a ball game, jerseys with another player's name on it, all that stuff. Are you pro full uniform for an adult? Baseball pants and everything. Oh man, did it happen? It's right there. Where? First table, right in front of us. Oh boy. Well, we're going to have to discuss that when we come back. I love it. You do? It's opening home game of the season. Well, can, Probably can a one-timer. Can that person have a glove with him? I'm pro-glove. Why are... Okay, we need it, to talk about this when we come back. logical. Okay, we need to talk about this because I, I have long had questions about the... Just the absolute volume of people that disdain that. And I, we'll, we'll get to it when we come back because it's opening... Or, well, it's, it's the home opener... And this is a perfect time to discuss such a thing. All right. One thing that you and I need to discuss, there's going to be some people tonight that go a little too hard. They know it's the home opener. They know that there is um, the suds are flowing, as you like to say. And they are probably going to be hungover in the morning as I wait for our uh, sound effects crew to work on that. They're probably going to be hungover in the morning, maybe dehydrated because of it. They're not going to be feeling themselves and they're going to need some serious attention fast. And they're going to want it to come to them. They don't want to go to it. Wex, what's the one place, what's the one company they need to get in touch with? LoneStarIVMedics.com right there on the site. You can book that appointment to get rehydrated, to have quick recovery from a number of different things. Being dehydrated is one, and on a day like today, that's something you definitely want to try to uh, take take uh, control of this afternoon. But if you don't, and tomorrow it's, uh, you're feeling it, well, they can help you out with that because it's on-demand mobile IV therapy. LoneStarIVMedics.com is the site. Everything you could need to, you need is right there for you, including the ability to schedule that appointment. They come to you. You'll feel better fast. There's all sorts of options you have, whether it's the Myers cocktail you're looking for, gold package, silver package, bronze package, and all the add-ons that perfectly fit your needs. Very simple. Go to LoneStarIVMedics.com. Book your appointment today. Lone Star Ivy Medics. iHeartRadio, now the number one app for podcasting and the best way to listen to Sports Talk 790 everywhere you go. iHeartRadio. Yeah, we're here. It is the A-Team here on Sports Talk 790, half hour, not even that, left before we step aside. Wex, Joseph. Hello. Joseph is out. He's, he's out amongst us today. I like that. Yeah, I'm no longer part of the uh, NFT. A lot of people to meet, a lot of hands to shake. I understand. Joe's popular yeah, guy. Babies to kiss. I mean, did you guys no, realize I'm the only one here? Both not in a jersey and yes, not in a jersey with, with a, my last name on it? Well, okay, so my jersey. Oh, I didn't know you had that. Yeah, this was, we used it for a baby announcement. I remember. My wife True. and I, we had our 01 or 118, our wedding anniversary, our wedding date, uh, with the baby announcement two years ago or whatever it was at this yeah. point. You have yours. It says Clan 790. My question is. You guys got pregnant in 18? No, we got, no, this was our, 
January 18th. Oh, gotcha, wedding. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, what I'm confused about, though, uh-huh. is that there was this whole big ordeal on Friday's show. Somebody, yeah. You I remember. were supposed to bring a jersey for him to wear the whole show. Was I? Yes. Well, I forgot. Nobody reminded we me. We actually have people tweeting us about it. Aren't right now? So- yeah, yes. show me a picture of him in the jersey. Well, I mean, he can put this one on. That's okay. That's okay. What? I've got a shirt underneath, and it's not like I've sweated through it. That's I, I totally forgot. If you would have reminded me, it's your fault. No, man. It's not I, my fault. I figured you can take care of your own business. I'm not a responsible adult that can remember remember basic things that were said on Friday's show. That's so, fair. again, we have eight more shows to make these predictions after today. Can we just talk about that? If you... Well, that, okay, but we're, we're talking about the fact... Lalima is here. We're talking about the fact that he... Wait, wait. Who... Brian Lalima, yeah. star of... Uh, host of Riding the Pine with Brian Lalima every Sunday from what time? 10 to, 10 to noon. Uh, 10, 10 to, to noon. noon. He's a good uh, self-promoter. I like I, that. I told Dad that I would bring a jersey for him to wear, and then I didn't because I forgot, and he didn't remind me. So basically, that's his fault. I got orange yeah. on. It's all good. Well, I mean, okay. He, you brought something up before the break, though, and I don't know if Joe was like, were you on or were you like going? I was probably around. He he pointed out that there's somebody here in full jersey, which I think okay. We, all right, like we can get back to that. Yeah. It is not full jersey, full although uniform. I mean, it appears that way. Okay. I and Brian will appreciate this. He actually came over to me, introduced himself, and we were talking for a bit. They're actually just Lululemon pants, and he just pulled the socks up. So oh, it's not baseball pants. Are the socks over the pants? No, they just kind of meet where the pants stop. No, you can't be a full jersey. Like, you have to be there, like... It's not a full jersey. I was incorrect. No, like, there's a... You guys might know him. Maybe not. His name is Ronnie Woo Woo. He's a homeless man. Woo Woo Who goes to Cubs games. Uh-oh, party fouls. Oh, Killa kill B making party fouls I'm over there. I'm just glad it wasn't the Galleria. Jeez. Oh, you got to be like... Too Jesus. soon? Uh, but, like, you got to be in full oh, gear as, like... Pinstripes and everything with the full pants. Okay, but here's my thing. You brought up bringing a glove to games. That's fine. Why? Okay, but is it because why is it that some people are like, oh, you can't bring a glove to the game unless you're 30 years old. No, you can bring a glove to game if you're playing defense for a family. See, Lalima is saying no. No, no, no. See, you don't have a kid yet. I have a son now. I'm going to. I'm bring talking a- about anybody, though. No, 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 but that's what I'm saying. Here. Grown men. There's a difference. If you have a child with you, you bring a glove for a little extra defense. Just a little bit extra for the kid. Not all of us are D1 baseball players. And then you hand the ball to a kid. It's all good. Yeah. It's a. Yes, it's you a- bring a kid to a game. How do you grow the game if you don't bring a kid to the game? That's true. Well, ask Rob Manford. He has all the answers. Yeah, to Rob that. Manford is wrong. But like, uh, but no, I, like, if you want to bring, like, if you're sitting in the Crawford boxes tonight and you don't have a kid. Within two yeah, rows no, of you, no glove, and you bring a glove. No, you, only, why are you getting killed for it? Only your kid is your. I'm not saying I've done it. I'm just asking why is it like a uh, like a faux pas for baseball attendance? Well, it's not a faux pas. It's I just, just think like, it's one of the many less, many things we need to not kill care people about? for. But here's yeah, if you want to fine. If you don't. Fine. But here's the thing. Why is it How many times point? have you seen somebody without a glove try to make a catch and then you kill them because they couldn't catch it? Well, yeah, they're catching it with their bare hands yeah, and it's coming like, out of a hundred I want the challenge. I like that too. Yeah, you got you got to accept the challenge. So okay, so glove or no glove versus wave or no wave. Oh, well, that, that, that's which easy. conversation is the worse? wave sucks. Yeah, the wave's the worst. And if you think so, if you think it doesn't, then you suck too. But again, how do you grow? You suck too. How you do suck you too. grow the game because the kids? Do like it. No, 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 no. The wave does not help grow the game. The wave actually dissuades people from coming back to a game. What was that crap they were doing in the seventh inning when the Astros were down ten runs? I'll because say this is with, with, without hesitation. I'll say this. Or up ten runs. The wave makes zero sense. It should never happen at a basketball game. 
Definitely. The makes zero sense. It should never happen in a football game. Uh-huh. I don't like it. I'm not advocating for it, but I understand why it happens Although, in a baseball game. Although, Wex, you know. Is the game so long? It's, there's nothing happening. Yeah, that's You're true. not missing anything yeah. when you're doing Although, it. Although, uh, when Harry met Sally, they no, famously see, did the wave at the Giants game. But that's my problem is but I feel it, like when it's people, all a lie. When people on me. do it's do so the good. wave, it's they do movie. it in moments where like, there's something happening. Like you have runners on first and second, and there's no outs in the bottom of the seventh, and then people start waving, and I'm like, what waving. Are we like, what are we doing here? They start waving, and not with their hands, with, with, their, whole their, with their whole body. They stand up out of their chair for a second. Ooh, that looked cool. It's lame. Again, why do? Why can't we just let people do what they want? I don't want to let them why do, do that. No. everything. I don't want to let if them do that. People are dumb. You gotta tell them they're dumb. I'm giving you glove a glove approval here when you attend. I'm allowing it. I'm fine with the glove. I don't have a problem with the glove. I, you don't have to have a kid to have it either. If, no, you're, sitting it, in it, now, yeah. if you're sitting in, I don't know, a suite, you're going to look like an idiot. Oh, But see, if you're, okay, if you're sitting a, in, like, the mezzanine or the proper boxes or where that's you're sitting, fair. where, like, okay, we remember the famous doubleheader the Astros played after Harvey. They played the Mets, a doubleheader. Yep. They hit, like, George Springer hit a home run. Yeah, they beat Matt yeah. Harvey. I was at game one. They hit, George Lucid Springer. Matt Harvey or doped up Matt Harvey? Oh, yes. that's a good question. I don't know. George Springer hit a home run, like, within literally two people of me. Two people down from me caught the ball. Now, he did it with his bare hands. I will say, I feel like the Crawford boxes, because of how much closer they, they are. They launched that game. I know it's only a couple feet, but, like, I do feel like it comes at you real quick. Life comes at you fast in the Crawford boxes. Life comes at you very fast. All right, this break's going to come at us fast because the end of the show is approaching. But that doesn't mean the end of the fun, because Michael Connor's going to have an extended pregame uh, coverage for you over at Kobo's. We're going to head on inside. There's a lot left to do out here, and obviously there's a lot going on at both here and just a few uh, thousand feet over at uh, Street Fest where your ticket gets you in. Anybody with a ticket's going to get you in over there on Crawford Street. So a lot going on as it's the home opener for the Astros, and we are your home for Astros Baseball Sports Talk 790. Adam Clanton. Adam Wexler. The A-Team. Continues. Continues. On Sports Talk 790. Turns. Spins. Goes up. Scores. Rockets basketball lives here. Drifting a little bit closer to first pitch also means we're drifting a little bit closer to Astros on deck. Mike O'Connor will have that for you over at uh, Kobo's. Just a hop, skip, and probably don't even need a jump to get your way over there right on the other side of the street. Corner from Minute Maid Park. Street Fest ongoing just around the corner from us as well over on Crawford Street. Same location as the last handful of annual Street Fest. For those of you fans on your way into the ball game, you can definitely stop out there on your way in for a lot of cool fan interactive events. And then first pitch at 710. We're outside the Astros team store. Lucky's pop-up. Wex Joe and AC here with you. A lot of cool people out here. Got a chance to uh, hang out with a lot of the peeps out here. And i got to be honest with you. I'm always a sucker, especially when we're inside doing shows, just like now, because it's basically the same scene. I just want to see how many different jerseys I could spot. All varieties of Astros jerseys here today. We okay. got a ton of Space Cities in the house, and just of those, Bregman, Altuve, uh -huh. Alvarez, yep. Pena, yep. Maldonado, McCullers are ones that I've seen. 
Of the normal jerseys, I've seen the only other one that's not of those guys you and listed. And Tucker. Yes, Tucker, uh, which is what I think I will get if I get one. Um, now, because you think he'll be here the longest? No, because King Tuck MVP, Wax. I thought it was What the Tuck. What the Tuck are you talking about? Uh, I've seen it at Miss Diaz. Surprising. Uh, she just walked in, actually. Yes. She did? She did. Yeah, she was a, it was a she. All right. Uh, that's pretty much everything I've seen, right? Yeah, they are encouraging people to be orange inside the ballpark tonight. And again, they will get American League Championship rings. That's the thing. This ball club that started off the year five and four, that comes off of losing two of three in Seattle, is still defending American League champion Houston Astros. As simple as you want to make it, Correa's gone, Verlander's in. As complicated as you want to make it, they've replaced Correa with what looks like a really good major league player who might turn out to be, again, this is way off in the distance, one of the Astros' better re everyday regulars. They obviously got Justin Verlander back. You've got a year more of experience for most of the rest of the rotation because that's uh, the side of their careers that they're on outside of Jake Odorizzi, Framber, uh, Urquidy, Luis Garcia, who gets the ball tonight. Uh, Luis Garcia, I, I expect very big things, but I will say we do have a little bit of breaking news here. I'm listening. Due to mechanical issues, yep, the roof will be closed tonight. So that's all I got. One question. How does the flyover work? Do they cancel it? Uh, it's on television on yeah. AT&T, and maybe you'll hear it on Sports Talk 790. Are we going to stay? Yeah, well, we could do that. That's pretty disappointing. Yeah, mechanical issues. That doesn't sound great. Not great, Bob. Well, if it's been open. I mean, I've driven by here. I couldn't tell you what day, but not that long ago when the roof was open. I, but I would assume if there's mechanical issues, then you can't close it, so keep it open. Well, it's not open right now, it's is closed. it? I thought it was open. No, it's uh -oh. closed. I can't see it. This well, maybe the they, tent's in my way. Maybe they closed it for batting practice. What do you expect me to do, walk five feet over there and look? It wouldn't my, reopen. My bad. Yeah, geez, man. It's a lot you of forget the jersey, you forget to remind me, and now you're expecting me to just use my eyes? And, and honestly, that's, I kind of find it weird that we I spent so much time talking about it last year. About the roof open, roof closed, and Major League Baseball getting involved, and Bud City and all that. And then they opened the roof for the postseason. Everyone thought, oh, my God, this is awesome. The 80-50 so awesome. rule should be in, in applied well, for this. The 80-50 rule doesn't exist, but nobody adheres to it. Well, like the Texans' roof should have been open like 75% of their football games. It's open for like 5%. Right. Maybe I'm an idiot, but what's the 80-50 rule? Above 80, below 50, it's closed. In between, they open. Oh, but okay. they don't follow that rule. Yeah, that makes a but lot of sense. But same for these guys. Yeah, but in the summer... Hey, 70, it, will it will never, ever be below like 80 during the summer. But like 75 today feels like 90. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's the temperature, and then it's the sun's going to go down. That's so fair. that's why, hence, 80-50. And I think it's the temperature at game time is, is would be the rule. But, I, you know, I don't know. I will say the first ever Astros game I went to, roof was open. It's, I mean, look, if you, sit, if you sit on the first baseline up top and watch the sun go down a Minute Maid, it's pretty awesome. Now, you are seeing the backside of downtown. You're not getting the famous skyline, the famous, front, if you will. Famous it is world Houston famous. Skyline. Just because you don't think so, it's Hashtag iconic. Hashtag be someone. There's yeah. no way it's iconic. It's absolutely iconic. We have a downtown, and there are buildings in it. Do you know why they I mean, filmed like, the RoboCop 2 here? Because it looked like a futuristic skyline for the type of sci-fi movie they were filming. Same with Dallas. I mean, Matt literally spent like an hour talking about like 
how the skyline today is not what other cities are. I wish I could turn the clock back to awesome. 2.55 on Twitter good. and ask our listeners in our uh, pre-show tweet, will we talk about RoboCop 2 today? Believe it or not. Believe it. Uh, we're going to open the show with it tomorrow, especially if the Astros lose tonight, I, but they're not going to. I don't think so. You don't think so? We don't hardly even talk about RoboCop 1, yeah, OJ's let alone not RoboCop 2. Well, that's because OJ saturates it. If we didn't talk about OJ as much, we would. If OJ wasn't the main topic, what else would we if OJ was in RoboCop, my head would explode. Oh, my. You'd have an aneurysm. I would absolutely would. Hopefully, the Astros' bats do that when they take off against the Angels tonight. We've got more pregame coverage live over at Kobo's. Michael Connor coming at you next. The A-Team.